at the core of the people who want to teach and lead is still this story of I'm not good enough or who am I to do this or why why me? And There's so many other better coaches out there. It's right. Like- and, and they have the power to help a lot of people. And there's a lot of people who really need their help and their story is blocking them from showing up as fully as they could or mm-hmm. preventing them from going on the podcast or putting out the course or writing the book or posting on Instagram or whatever the thing that they want to do that's going to help and impact other people. They're stuck in their loop. Externally, they may be presenting one story of like, I have it figured out. I know what I'm doing. I'm here to help and I want to help. Internally, they're constantly questioning themselves, doubting mm. themselves, having an experience that's blocking them from showing up the way that they want to or the way that other people see them. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, Paul welcomes back two guests, Mark England and Kimberly Kesting. Mark is the co-founder and head coach of Enlifted, a practical mindset coaching system. Mark is on a mission to defeat the victim mentality by certifying coaches, teachers, and leaders in how to utilize the Enlifted method so they can empower their clients to take action, become more in control of their life, and optimize their mental well-being. Mark has been researching, presenting, and coaching on the power of words and stories for the past 16 years. He has personally certified over 320 Enlifted coaches, and he's given over 1,000 professional presentations and been interviewed on over 300 podcasts. Kimberly is the host of Get Enlifted podcast and head of growth for Enlifted. Having coached health and fitness for six years, working with all types of clients on holistic wellness, she realized the common theme they all needed help with was their mindset. Now she's spreading the Enlifted tools to coaches across the globe to unlock their clients' full potential and get lasting results. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. A big thank you to our premier sponsors, Bioptimizers, Paleo Valley, and Organifi, and our podcast sponsor, Wild Pastures. Their support is essential in producing this podcast, and we hope you will show your support by visiting them online and trying all the amazing products they produce. Please check the show notes for links and details. The topic of today's podcast is Achieving Mental Freedom. This is our second podcast together. The last one was very well received. And today we're going to go from the core issues, which we will review. If you haven't listened to the first podcast, I highly recommend it. But we're going to give a quick review of what we covered in the last podcast. And this time we're going to talk about more the orientation toward coaching people once you've addressed some of the issues of you know, myths and glitches in our language and victim mentality projections and those types of things, which we covered very thoroughly in the first podcast. So uh, welcome, Mark, and welcome, Kim. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, thanks for having us back. Welcome back to the rainbow. Pretty good day to be here. It's a very good Great day, to, day be to be here. here. Yeah. So we, we did get quite deep into all the issues that you covered and do cover in your online. It's, it's mostly online, your training program, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, all of our, all of our certifications are delivered virtually. Yeah, good. Well, that means anybody can come from anywhere. And we covered a lot, so we're going to start today with a review so that anyone that didn't listen to the first podcast can kind of pick up the thread, and then we'll go from there into the topic of today's podcast, which is once you've addressed some of these things, how do you help other people do it? And which would be particularly people that have gone through the training, correct? Yes. 
And so this new program you guys have out now, is this, this is for the coaches, is that correct? We launched our, when was that, 10 weeks ago, two, two months ago? Yeah. It's our third online training course, right. all in the same format, super easy to take. It specifically gives coaches tools to help them, you know, negation acknowledge, not do the basics, as in not drama and trauma bond mm-hmm. with their clients, how to observe the story mm-hmm. instead of getting sucked into it, which is another way of saying what I just said, how important breathing is when mm-hmm. you're helping s- someone with their with stuck, struggled patterns, problems, and things like that. Yeah. Then the rate of speech, what words are they using? Stuff that, you know, it's it's very easy to believe the story instead of observe the story. Right. And we're very much in the camp of, hey, observe your client's Mm -hmm. story. Wouldn't this be effective for parents though? A thousand percent. Yeah. It's, it's effective for everyone. Yeah. 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 It's what, you know, the way that Mark just described what we do is the, is a more technical definition of, you know, it, it's into the features of what we teach, but what we were talking about out in the driveway right before we came in, when you're chatting with us about your years of experience in coaching and ultimately, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. Right. And at its core, our program addresses how to help your clients change their own internal dialogue, their own story, their external dialogue as well to actually enact the change. And so if you're speaking in the same way and you're telling the same story and you're seeing your story in the exact same way and the exact same language patterns that have put you in the place that you're in that you're seeking out a coach, talking to yourself the same way, talking to the coach the same way, having the same configuration of words is going to give you the same outcome. We've got to change the dialogue, change the perspective, shift the pictures in their head, shift their identity at their mm-hmm. core to be able to say, I can do something different and I can get the result that I want. You, you were expre- This came out naturally as like you were expressing how difficult it can be to do that. No matter how much technical knowledge you have and whatever you're guiding the person through the change, whether it's holistic wellness or it's financial coaching or it's some aspect of relationship coaching, the through line through all of this is the language that we're using, the story we're telling ourselves and how shifting our language is going to shift the outcomes and shift the actions and behaviors. You know, what we just laid out as far as that technically, yes, that's what we're going to teach coaches about how to employ those techniques and things to pay attention to, like their breathing and their rate of speech, and really be able to track what your client is saying to you and not just taking it at face value and not taking it literally, but actually observing their body language, observing their breathing patterns, observing and imagining what could be going on in their head and in their emotional body to then shift that and create a new outcome for them. Yeah. Now, do you, this course that we're talking about today is the third you said. So this doesn't sound to me like a course you take entry level. Is this so this courses. one is, it is yeah. our entry level. We've, we've re- we've iterated. So, I mean, Mark can speak to the first two courses of how those came about and what they were, but what we've realized is the more that we've taught and the more that we've worked with even more coaches, we're seeing, oh, we really have to cover the basics here because we're missing this foundational basic, we call the course Enlifted Coaches Essentials. Mm -hmm. It's the foundational building blocks to the Enlifted Method, which is our coaching methodology. Mm -hmm. And taking it back to the essential things that we're tracking and observing and looking at, this course is designed for somebody to come in and and take it and get an introduction to the methodology, have the ability to practice it with themselves first, and then to be able to go further study into our certification programs that then build and teach you how to facilitate it with others. Okay, good. So people listening can go right to this program then. Thousand yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. 
it's specifically for coaches. It's more focused and also fun. You know, this is a, this is our third one. We launched the first one eight years ago, second one four years ago, and then this one. So yeah. you've been, had time to really refine it. Yeah, refine it, focus it, you know, make it fun. So I, if anyone's listening, remember from our first podcast, I come from an education background. I was an elementary school sports teacher, and I understand very well the importance of people enjoying themselves mm. when they're studying something or let's just say coming to class. Yes. You know, and that, that starts with the teacher, yeah. 1,000%. Yeah. If I'm looking forward to coming to class yeah. and teaching class, then guess what? The students are going to enjoy that too. Sure. Okay? Yeah. Seems very basic and self-evident to say, but a lot of times the key component of fun is is overlooked. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're really big kids in some senses. <laughs> Most of the senses. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the more you deny it, the worse you are probably caught in your child archetype. A thousand percent. Nobody likes a grown-up person throwing toddler temper tantrums. Right. You know? And a lot of times that comes from not enough play as kids and not enough play as adults. Yeah. You know? Speaking of having fun, you probably know this joke. How many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? 32. 32? I'm just... Do you know? I don't know. Well, there's two answers. One to hold the light bulb and 99 to turn the house, or (laughs) only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. And there is the punchline. There you go. There's the punchline. There's the the pun. Yeah, we say that a lot. I mean, there was a sign that we took a picture and put up on our Instagram. We got off the plane. There's this big mural and Kimberly got in front of it and it says more smiles equal more smiles mm-hmm. and the the amount of problems and issues and stuck and struggle and call it what you will victim mentality imposter syndrome fear being seen so much of that can be resolved with more smiles better breathing and better words and this is yeah. this is a bold claim mm-hmm. and it's also self-evident for me where mindset is going Everybody, it's going to the words. The conversation about mindset is going to the words. What words to use less of and why? What words to use more of and why? Mm-hmm. And it puts that it puts the game back in the person's hands or their client's hands. Because guess what? I didn't need a PhD to create the story of me being a scaredy cat, right. which I did in elementary school when some fights broke out on the playground and I ran the other way. I didn't need a PhD to create that story when I was that young. Mm -hmm. And I didn't need a PhD to pick up a pen when I was 33 years old and get that story out of my head and change some of those words. So the amount of things that we can change on our own, and there's a time and a place for, you know, clinical everything. And and also it's quite nice to, have you ever Googled the definition of mindset, Paul? Not mindset, just mind. Yeah. So there's 17 definitions, 17 definitions, different definitions of mindset. On the first page alone, when you yeah. Google it, and some of them are, okay, yeah, I, I can get my head around that. Um, and then some of them are just very long and weird and complicated. And it was like somebody said, hey, you over there in the corner, come up with some complicated mm-hmm. definition of mindset so no one can understand it. And then who cares? We'll just put it out. And Lifted has a definition of mindset. It's the story that we tell ourselves. Yes. Well, that's the thing I was going to bring up because yeah. changing the words won't stick unless you go right to the story because it's, the words are always just an expression of the story and so are the images in people's heads. That's why in my system, myth is so important because your inner myth or what ultimately turns out to be your secret story is what's really driving your victim, saboteur, prostitute, 
negative derivations of the child archetype, eternal child, wounded child, orphan child, all of those. So a lot of the work I have to do with people is really looking at your story and realizing that you have the power to change the story, just like any author does, and even change our past, because you know a lot of the wounds that have the most formative force on the words that we choose and the abracadabra we use is really the story from our most traumatic events. But when you go back to them and witness them and take an adult perspective and say, what is my dream for myself now and how can I use that dream to have a, a more sublimated view, a bird's eye view of the story I've been telling myself. And if you can identify where the story that you've been telling yourself is antagonistic to what you create, want to create now, then you can reframe it from a perspective of being more grounded in who you choose to be instead of who you've been programming yourself or programmed by others to be. Yeah. I think that's really a key part of change is getting right to the to the story. Yeah, and that's the core of what our coaching methodology does is most people have a story that's so big and so infinite and they're not sure where it originated or they don't know how it formed and it's it is so loud yet just amorphous in their head. Like there's not really, you know, there's no beginning and an end. Mm -hmm. And it's this thing that's consistently haunting you throughout mm -hmm. your life. And whether you're aware of it or not, it's running the program. Mm -hmm. And so what we take a look at is really, and this is like a great, you know, into our review of the, the things we talked about last time is the first thing we have to do is write that story down and create, get it externalized from mm. running infinitely in our head to yeah. on a piece of paper, written down beginning, middle, end, and then teaching coaches how to write. So at its core, before I get into that, is at its core, most coaches do not have a tool to address this or a system to address this. They have they have an understanding that they need to. They understand that that this is what's happening. But ultimately, it's a difficult thing to shift someone else's story or to to help somebody shift their story. And so the core of our method is is doing exactly that. And so once we can get the things down on paper and we can objectively look at the words, we talk about language as influencing four main aspects of ourselves, which is our feelings and emotions. So that story is going to elicit an emotional response. I'm mm -hmm. going to feel things in my body, the pictures in my head. You mentioned that, the imagination, what I see when I look at, when I'm telling that story, the, the movie I see playing in my head. Mm -hmm. And then we get into posture, the mm -hmm. physiology, how the how that story may be shifting how you're expressing through the physical body. And then the breathing, right? Which is if you're upregulated, you're going to have a stress breathing response. Your, your rate of speech may pick up. And when we look at those things, the language is influencing all of that. And all of those things are also influencing the language. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time we can identify one of those four things as happening without being able to tie it back to the words. And so the system is is taking all that, looking back at the words, looking back at how the way, the specific way that I'm constructing these sentences, how that is influencing my response to the story. Ultimately, most people's language is forcing them into a victim mentality mm -hmm. to be a spectator in their story rather than being the main character in their story, to mm -hmm. be the one who can actually author that new story. Mm -hmm. And they're the way that they're talking about themselves, the way they're viewing themselves, the way they're feeling about themselves, the way their posture is closing off, the way they're breathing 
is inflaming that whole experience. Mm -hmm. And so looking at being able to go to the tangible written down story, be objective about the words on the paper and with a clear outline. And this is all the things we talked about in in the first episode was about conflict language versus architect language Mm -hmm. and how certain example, right? Penny was saying before we started, she's like, oh, I always forget to take a picture. I, I always forget to take a picture. What happened? She forgot to take a picture. (laughs) Exactly. And then when she came back, she said, I'm going to remember at the end to take a picture. And I said, ding, ding, ding. There you go, Penny. Yeah. Right? And so it's that the way, if I say I'm going to forget to take the picture, I'm most likely that I'm going to forget it. The definition of a spell, everyone. (laughs) Since we're in review mode. (laughs) Webster's. Webster's not mine. The definition of a spell is a word or a combination of words of great influence. Yeah. And I always... I always forget to take a picture or everybody's got it so much easier than me or nobody will ever really love me or why even try. Those are combinations of words. Mm -hmm. Somebody believes them. They're going to greatly influence those four things that Kimberly said. Pictures, how someone's breathing, their their body language, their feelings and emotions. Keep Kimberly out of this. Um, (laughs) I would imagine that I'm one of the most simple guests that you're going to have on here. (laughs) <laughs> by by Maybe. well yeah it's it's um by by nature and nurture and that's one of the things that we definitely bring to the table with this particular conversation which is the only conversation we have how words influence us for better and for worse and what we've done a good job of is make it easy for people to understand yeah that's the hardest thing to do you know because these types of topics can go very, it, very it goes into outer space land so fast yeah and what I've noticed in my own life, you know, my father passed last month, is that when life throws curveballs, which it will, the worst thing to do is to propagate a complicated story. The best thing to do is to simplify the story, which yeah. is a thousand trillion times easier. That's a real number. I Googled it. Once the story is written down. So we're, we are very basic. We're very simple. And we're all about the basics. And a lot of times when the basics are done well, a lot of the other stuff is, you know, you know the icing and the cherry on the cake. I don't want to complicate your story because you like it simple, but you got to be careful about believing what you read on Google. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'll take my chances. They did have they 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 have seventeen definitions of mindset. Yeah, I'll, I'll put ours. I'll get up there. Ours up there someday. Yeah, <laughs> most people don't know what a mind is, and set is environment. So mind, an embodied and relational process that regulates the flow of energy and information. That's very important distinction. Embodied and relational process it's unfolding constantly that regulates the flow of energy which is what emotions are emotions are energy moving and information the whole universe is made out of energy and information so your mindset is really the basis from which you create your own inner universe and to the degree you don't like it you'll tell everybody and to the degree that you do we'll all know that too <laughs> that is thousand percent true yeah and not only tell it people will feel it yeah you know yeah. That whole negative energy energy vampire thing, that's mm-hmm. a real that's a real thing. We're obvious it's come on everybody. Not not that I need to say it like that to your audience, but we're we're majorly energy beings, energetic yeah. beings. First and foremost, most likely. I don't I'm, a lot of that stuff's over my head, but you know, it's I, I definitely feel it when I'm around people of you know, like like staticky 
mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. and just like spiky and just, you know, they're, they're, how about this? Their breath is trapped in their chest. Most mm-hmm. people's breath is trapped in their chest. Mm-hmm. And uh, from my personal professional opinion, since we're still in review mode, that's due to a, a raging victim-centric story that's in their mm-hmm. head. The words haven't been written down. Really hard. It's tough action to help change someone's story when the words are in their head. So much easier when the words are written down. And um, break break those those old spells, everybody, and you'll unlock your breath. We're known as the language people. That's cool, and might as well be known as the language and the breathing people because that's the thing that that's what it's really about. Is to unlock people's breathing, and then they're going to go live their better lives on their own and naturally. I don't have to have I don't have to be a smarty pants coach and know what they need to think and do. And it's very talk about freeing. So the title of this podcast mm-hmm. that is exceedingly freeing for a coach when they get themselves out of, I'm a 1-800, I got all the right answers hotline coach Mm -hmm. and into good questions, good breathing, help your clients get the stories written down, get them to look at their words, Mm -hmm. change some words, what happens there. It's the difference between me telling them and them telling them. It's a profound difference. Yeah. I think metaphorically that the reasons, one of the reasons people get their breath trapped in their chest is because at a soul level, I think there's a resistance to inspiring a disempowering story, if that makes sense. You know, when you take a full breath, you're energizing and inspiring whatever it is that's in your mind. Mm. So if we don't, if the wiser part of us knows that that's not something to inspire, then you can see how it might lead to this kind of trepidation. That's a, that's a different it, take. Yeah, it's, I, well, what I keep see, coming back level. to. You go, yeah. high, you go high, Paul, I'll stay low. <laughs> The, what I keep coming back to is like, this is ultimately about how we experience ourselves, right? Mm. Because I, whether you are a coach or a leader or a guide or a healer or whatever it is that you're doing, you're still a human yeah. at, at its core, right? And you're experiencing the same gamut of human emotions and experiences, and you're up against the same story that you're telling yourself. And mm-hmm. one of the main things that we have, you know, we talk about victim mentality. Mark may have mentioned imposter syndrome. What we've noticed is that at the core of the people who want to teach and lead is still this story of I'm not good enough or who am I to do this or why why me? And There's so many other better coaches out there. It's right. Like- and, and they have the power to help a lot of people. And there's a lot of people who really need their help and their story is blocking them from showing up as fully as they could or mm-hmm. preventing them from going on the podcast or putting out the course or writing the book or posting on Instagram or whatever the thing that they want to do that's going to help and impact other people. They're stuck in their loop. Externally, they may be presenting one story of like, I have it figured out. I know what I'm doing. I'm here to help and I want to help. Internally, they're constantly questioning themselves, doubting Mm. themselves, having an experience that's blocking them from showing up the way that they want to or the way that other people see them. And what is that? That's a disconnect between my internal story and the external story. It's a a disconnect of my identity. And at its core, it stems from those childhood stories. It stems Mm. from the places and times where we were told we weren't good enough or we didn't get the thing done on time or you know, the time that, you know, boy called you ugly on a playground or whatever, right? It's like the things that that stick with us in those early formative years that then are running the show as adults. And yet we're supposed to be the one guiding someone else to to resolve these things. And we and we've done all the studies and we've 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 learned from the best and we've we've been able to like collect all this information and somehow I'm still stuck. Mm-hmm. Somehow I'm still not good enough. Somehow I'm still not that fear like, being presenting. seen just wrecks people. It really does. And I think that like, you know, especially in today's world where everything is so the coaching industry has we were having this conversation in the car 
earlier today was like has exploded and when did it become an industry it's like this is we're about you know like at, at our core we're teachers and healers and guides and we want to be able to support other people and now it has become this uh commoditized thing that has been over glamorized and has a low barrier to entry and and you mm -hmm. don't need much to be to be a coach right an instagram account or a website or a couple pictures of you looking good in a bathing suit and people want to learn from you well what are you really what are you doing to professionalize yourself mm -hmm. what are you doing to develop your skill sets what are you doing to be able to to be in an integrity to guide and lead other people down a path that you think is the the right one and most people who take their profession seriously as as a coach healer guide right they're going to they're going to put in the work on learning the skills learning the tools doing the deep dives doing the self work and yet there's still these unresolved stories or there's still the times that the thoughts come up in their head and they can't figure out why Mm -hmm. And we don't care about why. We care about how. Mm -hmm. What is the sentence you're saying? When does it show up? What what emotional response is that elicit in you? And we can address that. I can't address why. I can't answer why. I can't tell you why the thoughts come in. And I'm not really interested in that. Paul, could, Paul could tell us. Paul, Paul could tell us, but level. we can't. <laughs> we've got some questions for you too, Paul. We've, yeah. we've been so excited to, to come back out here. Hi, everybody. I know that you're all aware of the importance of vitamin C. There is a mountain of research on it, but not all C is created equally. I love Paleo Valley's Essential C Complex because it is the real deal, bioavailable, and I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith, founder of Paleo Valley, why their Essential C Complex is so unique and something you definitely want for your family and your children. Autumn, tell us about your Essential C Complex. Well, I was shocked to learn as a holistic nutritionist that 90%, over 90% of the vitamin C on the market is derived from genetically modified corn, and then it's processed with highly volatile acids. And so I knew I had to find a better way to get all of the powerful benefits of vitamin C. So what I did was I dove into the research and I found the three most vitamin C-rich superfoods on the planet. That's unripe acerola cherry and camu camu and amla berry. And then I just packed them into capsules. And the benefits are amazing because you're not only getting vitamin C, but all of the other wonderful benefits that come from these amazing superfoods. To try Paleo Valley's Essential C Complex and save 15% on your purchase, go to paleovalley.com forward slash C-H-E-K 15. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com forward slash C-H-E-K 15. No promo code is required. Enjoy. Has Paul Check ever had imposter syndrome? What, what is imposter syndrome? Yeah, exactly. Pretending, <laughs> pretending that you're somebody that you're not? The fear of not being who you say you are. So an imposter is someone who is not who they say they are. Right. The imposter syndrome is being afraid that you're not who you say you are, that you're secretly a fraud, that you're sec secretly going to get found out. So imposters do not have imposter syndrome. People that are real and credible and serious and sincere they have imposter syndrome. And then actually 80% of what that is, is actually late stage, early, middle and late stage beginner syndrome, mm. which we can get into. But that's, you know, talk about the rarity of things being written down. You know, a spell kept in the head, it swirls, it, it just keeps going. It's, it's, it's very hard to break con in comparison to once a spell is written down. And in this case, uh, and for everybody who's listening, who's a coach or an aspiring coach in your in your audience, which is a you know vast majority of them, you know how rare it is for someone to pick up a pen and write down the scary words about being an imposter, just like the four sentences that you 
and we, we this is one of the things that we address in graduation of our first certification and then further in the other certifications but it's i mean we watch this we live this it's so rare for a coach to pick up a pen and write down why would anyone ever coach with me or whatever their versions of the imposter syndrome statements are mm. or whatever sentences what if i don't have the right spells. answers what if my yeah, clients who, think who i'm not I? can't like, get the results yeah yeah you know what if i don't actually help Those them things. what if i do more harm than good right and things that like and how could i help anybody if i'm so messed up yeah. those words are it's so beneficial and i understand the pen can feel like it weighs 600 pounds to get those words on paper that's that's the fastest way to break a spell is to write it down so then you can observe the words instead of relentlessly participating in the belief mm -hmm. of them the answer is no i've never had imposter syndrome two things for me one i don't that's what we bet by the way i don't we like a well i already knew this answer <laughs> i don't teach things that i don't have enough self-mastery of to know they work if I don't know it works for me, I'm not going to teach it to somebody else. And if I'm ever teaching something that might be, say, a philosophical concept or something that I haven't had a chance to test, I will say, this is something that I'm working with or something that I'm exploring, and I invite you to explore it with me. But I have never wanted to engage that because to do that, you have to basically lie to yourself. And the more you do that, the, the more distant you get from knowing who you are. And so you create, you know, that's a great way to set yourself up for perpetual anxiety is to oh. really not know who you are. Well, that's, that's the thing. And again, in my personal professional opinion, that's the thing. It's not email funnels. Which email funnel should I use? That's not what's kicking people's asses in the coaching business and, you know, getting them to throw in the towel. It's the imposter syndrome. Mm. Well, that. it's it's interesting because Paul, and the we, fear of being seen—that's a—that is just as real as anything. Yeah, we when I interviewed you on our podcast, we like we talked around this a little bit, and I was asking—I remember asking questions to, and maybe I asked you directly. I don't recall it's a while back, but it was like around one of the biggest things that I was surprised to learn as I started interviewing people who I looked to as mentors, people who had been doing the doing whatever their craft in the coaching space was for 15, 20, 30 years, whatever it was, I, I was surprised to learn and to discover that most of them, I would say you were the only exception, all of them at some point in time said, yeah, I felt like I wasn't good enough to do this, or I was holding myself back from doing the thing I really wanted to do. And eventually like they found ways to get over it. But I think it's, you are such an interesting exception to it. And I not surprised <laughs> in a lot of ways based Joe on what Rogan you've accomplished. Joe Rogan said he was and riddled with it. Riddled, he said he was, a, he, he was, Joe Rogan said he was convinced he was a loser. Yeah. Well, we've each got our own spirit gym inside of us, right? So there's a form of resistance in spirit gym. I think a lot of it has to do with to the nature of our soul coming into life and uh, mm -hmm. one, the nature of our soul, two, how we were parented, because that's where we we pick up our sense of ourself from what we get mirrored back to us from our parents, our family, and our community. But um, I think one of the techniques that I use to help my patients and clients that's very powerful, um, and I encourage all of you listening to do it, write down one to four positive qualities of your mother, particularly from your developmental years, like your experience of living with your mother, and then write down one to four of the most challenging or negative qualities of being with your mother. Then do the same thing for your father, up to four positives and up to four negatives. And then go through your memory banks and say, of all the you know, boyfriends and girlfriends and spouses I've 
had problems with and ended up getting separated from and all the jobs I've lost, how many times was the reason that the person said that they were disengaging the relationship one of the negative qualities of mother or father being projected out of us unconsciously? For example, one of the most common things you hear as a negative quality of dad is dad was work-oriented and didn't spend a lot of time with me. And another one is he wasn't emotionally available. And what's the most common thing that causes women to leave men that have that father characteristic? Busy all the time and not emotionally available, right? So when people do the exercise and realize the very things that they're still whining and bitching about about mom and dad are exactly what they're projecting into their own creative milieu mindset and relationships, then what was previously unconscious now becomes conscious. And so the act of looking at it immediately begins to transform it. So you say, okay, now I need to be more aware of these qualities because as long as they're unconscious, they're really woven into the fabric of, of our inner sense of self. And once you learn how to tie a shoe, a shoe, most people don't walk around worried about whether or not they can tie a shoe or looking for a new way to do it. You don't need to think about it anymore. So as we go through our childhood programming and often get through with what feels often to be a survival of mom and dad, especially as you go through your teen years, we don't realize the very things that drove us nuts about them had the most emotional charge, therefore the deepest imprint into our unconscious. But because we're not conscious of them in ourselves, because often what we reject, we don't want to look at into ourselves, then you find that a lot of the things that lead to imposter syndrome are actually a fear of becoming the things that mom and dad were that we didn't like, but we haven't imagined would be sitting right inside of ourselves. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. The, the parallel that we talk about is that your language is inherited, right? You yeah. learn you learn your language from your parents. You learn your breathing patterns from your parents through entrainment and just watching and observing them. And, and you build your confidence or your lack of confidence based on the spells, the word or combination of words, great influence that your parents have bestowed on you, you know, most of your life. You'll you'll never amount to anything. That is a spell. That's that's the uh, most common one that I heard. That was my dad's most used line and, and even school teachers, unfortunately. But fortunately for me, I came into the world with a soul that's got a lion like personality And so whenever I heard that from anyone, my reaction on the inside was, well, I used an F word, but I said, screw you, watch. And I never, as a kid, let that, it irritated me, but it just made me more motivated to prove people wrong. (laughs) Dispel. That, yeah. the, that's called the definition of dispel. Spells, dispel. Dispel is to cast out. So you cast that out before, well, even got in. Because... I had an internal sense of, for example, you know, if my father was criticizing me about not doing something well enough, I knew that I had done it the best that I could do. And so there was nothing more that I could do. So no matter what he would say to me, I'm like, okay, well, now you're asking me to do something different than you did an hour ago. So I'm going to do it. But I just had too much of a sense of self agency to let myself be coerced into that, or I would have never made it anywhere in my life. And I think that's really a lot of what holds people back is they fall into the spell of believing. And I think the reality, having worked with, you know, thousands of people in 40 years now, is that 
every soul's at a different stage of its own spiritual evolution, which comes with a different degree of self-integrity, right? A sense of self. You know, what I call young souls don't yet have a lot of a sense of self, so they're much more dependent upon other people's validation and approval. But as souls evolve and reincarnate more and more times, their sense of self gets more established and they're not so easy to knock off track even as children. You know, my 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 little daughter Zoe, she's she's got a fierce sense of self. She's like a, she's a four-year-old lion, you know. You try to tell her something she doesn't agree with and she's on you, man. She's like full of fire. And so it you you can see when you have enough life coaching experience like I do, you can actually see the soul in somebody right in front of you. You can it's palpable and you can also have more empathy for people that do get caught in these syndromes because you can see how that younger soul is permeable, right? It's very, it doesn't have a lot of defense mechanisms. It takes, I think it takes personally a lot of lifetimes to crystallize the essence of source within yourself, you know? Yeah, it's a psychological and emotional immunity is just as real as physical immunity. It is very much as real. And it's also requires just as much consciousness to keep it healthy. Just like if you don't manage your physical health, you will have a compromised immune system. If you don't take ownership of your mental, emotional inner self, then you will also have an autoimmune disorder of the psyche. And that is- To be allergic to yourself. You can very allergic to yourself. What's the difference between, you know, I don't have a cat. I'm not allergic to cats, but, you know, let's just pretend I was and- a cat jumped up on my lap and, you know, I start sneezing and my eyes get red and start mm-hmm. watering. What's the difference between that and, you know, every time I think about when my parents sat me down and told me about the divorce when I was nine, my eyes get red and my breath gets trapped in my chest and yeah. water starts coming out of my face. What's the difference between a cat and that story? Just how it shows up. Yeah. It's, a, there, it's, it's an allergy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a defense mechanism. It's it's uh, it's the psyche trying to protect itself, and the, you know whenever the pain teacher shows up, it's always showing us where to look at because it means that's where we're entangled in our consciousness or our unconsciousness. But the reason the pain teacher shows up is because we're doing something that's inauthentic to who we really are. So, in other words, if we're impostering then we're being inauthentic to who we really are. And that creates pain because it creates anxiety and insecurity, which which leads to uh, you know, a long <laughs> string of things from breathing problems to adrenal exhaustion to digestive disorders to inability to poop or pee. I was about or, to say poop. Yeah. I was about, <laughs> did you know that the two most commonly purchased, Kimberly, how many times you heard me say this, <laughs> the two most commonly purchased over-the-counter medications are indigestion and constipation? Yeah, about... Last time, when I wrote How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, it was something like, I'm just going off memory here, so don't quote me, but it was something like $1.3 billion worth of laxatives are purchased a day worldwide. That's because people's breath is trapped in their chest, and there's a variety of reasons for that. One of them is, like you said, stories that are not yet conscious. Um, It's it's easy for me to say that, you know, my favorite Carl Jung quote is, is this, but it's also my only. Carl Jung quote. So it's oh, I have favorite. loads of them. Yeah, I know, of course. There's, until you make the unconscious conscious, conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Well, you got it partly right. I'll finish your quote for you. Sensei, please, and, yes. Until you meet your unconscious on the inside, 
it will meet you on the outside in the events of your life, and you will call it fate. And that's what it means to become conscious. It's to direct your conscious awareness back inside and meet the storyteller. Because as long as your consciousness is directed outside, your soul cannot give you any information unless it happens in the events of your life. And that's when the pain pain teacher shows up to say, hey, you know, this is like the seventh marriage you've had. Maybe you ought to start looking at your belief that there are no good women or men in the world because um that might help there are good women and men in the world yeah Plenty well this them. is a this is a really good time to to clarify we mentioned it earlier the difference between believing a story and observing the story yes very important so i uh i'll speak from my own experience which is that i did not realize that the thoughts that were happening in my own head like could be changed or different, right? Yes, I just believe yeah. myself for the mm. longest period of time. It's if I hear it in my own head, then it has to be true, or that's just the way it is, or that's how I. That's just how I am, right? We uh, we hosted a big event for our community a couple of weeks ago in Richmond, and this is my favorite language game that Mark has ever done, and which is the statement: you write it down. And anybody who's listening to this, I encourage you to play along with us because it's going to it, you're going to have an experience. Write down: um, it's just the way I am. Mm-hmm. period. Second line, right underneath it, it's just the way I am thinking. One word, totally different experience mm-hmm. of myself. And if I say, you know, if I believe the story, which is, it's just the way that I am, mm-hmm. I have no ability to change it. I have uh, no responsibility in it, really. It's it's me throwing up my hands I'm and a saying, victim of circumstance. whatever, this is just the way I am. This is the way I was designed. This is just how it is. Throw on the tail. And then you add on that one word and it's just the way I'm thinking. And it's like, oh, well, if it's the way I'm thinking, could I think differently? Or it feels more tangible. It feels potentially temporary versus mm-hmm. resolved for the entirety of the rest of my time. And when you can identify the difference between believing the story, you know, which is that I was abused as a child, or I've always gotten the short end of the stick, or I ha- um, men are never going to find me attractive, whatever the thing is, if I just believe that, right, those core beliefs that I'm holding, and that's how I'm operating out in the world, there's, it's difficult to change that just by telling me the opposite of it, or just by the coach or the guide saying, well, you know, that that's really a limiting belief. Okay, great. Well, what am I going to do with that? Don't, hey, here, here we go. Don't be so hard on yourself. Oh, yeah. No one in the history of history has ever stopped being hard on themselves because someone said, don't be so hard on yourself. It's like telling your wife, you're overreacting. Oh, yeah, I am. Thanks for pointing that out. Doesn't work like that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Unless unless she's a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Which Which is a weird phenomenon. Happening too quickly. Yeah. There's one other element to that, which we can take it one level deeper. So it's... What was your first statement there? It's just the way I am. Then it's just the way I'm thinking. But the third level, it's just the way I'm being thought. And yeah. why Why is that important? Because if you look at Mark Wu Lin's work, his book, It Didn't Start With You, which is on inherited family trauma, since he published that book, he identified that it, that trauma is three generations deep, but current research is saying between 14 and 21 generations, which you've 
done measuring cortisol responses and all sorts of things, but the, it's good science showing that we're probably being influenced by 14 generations of our ancestors. And so when you think of how things move through a family line, you know, mom was raised by grandma who was raised by her mother. And so these things just roll downhill like water. Perpetuate. So when you, now I could get into the metaphysics of it, but it would be a, a deeper, longer discussion. But the reality of it is, it's also the way we're being thought because those things reverberate inside of us. And it all boils down to what is my dream and is this story or thought actually serving my dream or is it taking me off course? For me, I'm always thinking, where's my dream compass pointed? If my mother was thinking this way or, you know, or my ex-wife or whoever is reverberating in me, I just acknowledge that and say, oh, it's nice to hear you reminding me that I may not be successful at this. And then I just restate my dream. I choose to be X, Y, Z. And then I restate it the thought, whatever it was, I restate it dream affirmatively. I, I will complete this because I always complete my projects because I don't start projects that I don't love to do. And so I just keep taking the thought, being thought, convert it, or taking the thinking that's rattling around in the head and just watch it and say, oh, isn't that cute? Look at the, you know, I call my mind my dog. I say, you know, <laughs> my dog's chasing tires again. Look at my dog go. Yeah. But you see that I think one of the most important things for people listening to realize is that you're either being thought, which means you're, you're really just a victim to your thoughts, or you're clear on what it is that you want to create in a given situation and say, okay, how do I identify the parts of me that are reverberating and not contributing? And how can I take advantage of the opportunity to convert them? Because if we don't take advantage of the opportunity to convert them, they just keep coming ceaselessly because they're woven into our unconscious. So they're, you know, they're like a loop tape. But once you start emotionalizing your dream, bringing yourself into conscious awareness of what you're choosing consciously, and then using those mind viruses as an activating technique to say, now I'm going to choose to create a positive dream affirmative thought, you're actually beginning to build new neural networks that support that. The key thing is if you don't put your heartfelt emotion in it, then you don't have enough force. You know, it's like a record. If you lightly scratch it, it makes noise every time it comes around. But if it's got a deep scratch, it'll ruin the record. So if we don't do the work to put the emotion behind our conscious willingness to take responsibility for our mind, then those deep scratches just keep going on and going on and going on. And and that I think is um one of the things that we're not taught as yeah. children. We don't we're not taught how to work with our mind. I mean, people didn't even really know what a mind was until recently. Daniel Siegel, MD, was the first person to really come up with the uh, an effective definition of mind, which is the one I gave earlier. And so he talks about being a psychiatrist and going from conference to conference talking about the mind. But asking over and over to all the experts, what exactly is a mind? Nobody could tell them. So he put 40 people together, 40 very intelligent people, and they worked for as long as it took to come up with a functional definition of mind because a lot of people have no idea what a mind is. And that's a, a real problem because how do you work with, improve your management of, or change something that you have no idea what it is? That's like trying to catch a ghost and paint it red. I'd like to see that. The same thing with mindset. You yeah. know, a very complicated, big philosophical, clunky, good luck implementing definitions of mindset. 
I mean, how are you going to work on that? Yeah. You know, if it takes five minutes to explain the position, you don't understand it. Well, not only that, you got to go through 17 definitions every time you're dealing with it and say, which one of these is applicable to me? It's kind of like too Charming. many items on the menu, you know? Yeah. 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 It's a, that's a real thing in sales, paradox of choice. The more choices people have, the less likely they are to make it. And everybody heard it here first. And Lifted now has a Paul Check language game. <laughs> it does, yeah. Yeah. Hello, everybody. I sure hope you're enjoying this amazing podcast. I sure am. Did you know that Bioptimizer's Microbiome Breakthrough is my daily probiotic of choice? According to research, approximately 90% of people worldwide suffer from leaky gut syndrome. This means that undigested food particles are leaking through the lining of your small intestine, overloading your liver, and putting a chronic load on your immune system. As I show in my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, this is the most common reason that more people today are suffering from debilitating food intolerances than ever before. Microbiome Breakthrough not only gives you a daily dose of essential probiotics to keep your microbiome healthy, it is designed to support healing the wall of your small intestine so your liver and immune system can rest and you can digest your food effectively. Not only is this one of my all-time favorite products, it tastes great and is easy to use. To get started on Microbiome Breakthrough now and get 10% off as a Living 4D listener, go to bit.ly forward slash microbiome paul10 that's b i t dot l y forward slash microbiome paul10 enjoy your healthy gut Well, I want to go back to, Paul, mm -hmm. the exact process that you described about how you talked yourself into realigning with your dream vision. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is the part we're not taught. Mm -hmm. And we're, when we're believing the thoughts that, that talk us out of it versus mm -hmm. the way to reconstruct and observe the thoughts and then change the thinking and shift the thinking, we call that a translation, which is this is the thought as it came out in my head, just as it occurred. If I can observe that thought, the easiest way to observe it is to write it down, right? Yeah. So it's externalized and it's clear and it's exactly and as I heard slower. it. Mm -hmm. Then I can say, okay, well, is that accurate? Is that true? And and much like you described the process of taking it into affirmation, that's exactly what you, you can go back and listen to episode, the first episode that we did together to, to hear us talk through the pillars of conflict language. Mm. One of them is negation. Right. And the opposite of negation is affirmation. And so when you start to affirm yourself into the direction of where you want to go mm -hmm. and you use and you're able to observe the internal dialogue, shift it and supercharge it with the emotion mm -hmm. exactly how you described it, that that is what gets people to change. And that's what keeps people in alignment with the identity that they want to step into. And that's what gets them the result. Mm -hmm. And so if we take this in a standard um, health coaching is scenario, which is somebody believes I'm always going to be fat or I'm mm. just, this is my genes or mm. whatever it is. It's that thought, that thought is running in the back of their head, whether they speak it to you or not, whether mm. they actually say it or not, they believe it and they're, and, and they have not observed it. They have only heard it and, and taken it as true. Mm. 
as a coach, you've got to be able to observe your client's story and observe your client's thoughts because guess what? They're going to run out whether they're not going to observe their thoughts. Yeah. That's why they hired you. And they're too they're, busy believing them. Yeah. So it's being able to then as the guide, right? And this is exactly what we specialize in is like, I know every coach listening to this has heard their clients say something that they know is a victim-centric story that is not actually true, that is not serving them, that is not supporting them and going in the direction of their dream or their goal. And the reality is, is you as the guide, you're responsible to help steer that ship. Yeah. And how do you do it? You use language as the tool. Because mm-hmm. if you can redirect their attention and help them see a different, remember the feelings and emotions, the pictures in our head, if they can see a different emotional response because you've changed a few words, or they can feel a different different emotional response because we've changed a few words and because we've aired out the story, which we talked about that in episode one too, which is the, the four-step process that we do. You have to get the emotions involved. This is not a mental, this is not a game of mental freedom purely. The head is not cut off from the body. Our thoughts are not separate mm-hmm. from our emotions. We've got to weave them together in a way that's actually practical. And so when we talk about, I mean, I love talking about the theory behind it all and, and, exploring the depths of consciousness and all the things that we can experience. But when it, when, when it comes down to the real reality of I am, I'm here in this 3d world and I am trying 40, to 40, 40. Well, 40, excuse me, 3, 3d plus time, <laughs> 3d plus time. Right. It's like when I'm here and I want to act and behave in a certain way to get a certain outcome and to achieve my goal or my vision, I, I'm going to have to talk myself into it. Mm-hmm. And there's a more efficient way to do that. There's a more effective way to do that. And there's a, for yourself. And there's a much more effective way to teach it to other people by using language as that tool, language and breath. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the core of everything that we teach, which will help you unravel the victim mentality, which will help you unravel the imposter syndrome, will help you practice the skill set, practice, like actually implement this day after day after day to achieve that mental freedom, right? Mm-hmm. To achieve that sovereignty in your own mind, being in control of your thoughts and and being able to understand that if I don't like this thought and I don't like how I'm experiencing this story, I can change it and I can shift it at any given time. There's a, there is a clear method and in, in what we teach about how to do that, that mm-hmm. makes it super like in the moment, instantaneous shifts mm-hmm. that people, and again, we're just never taught how to do this. And we're not taught about how to, that we have the power to, to shift it or change it without going down this, these long grueling paths of self-development and self-reflection. And, you know, it's like, I've done talk therapy and I've done different things where it's like, you know, I'm just spouting things out and no one's ever interrupting my language patterns to if say- that's the case, then it's talk yourself in circles therapy. It, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, ultimately it's like, I've, if I don't have the opportunity to shift the sentence, shift the story, I just continue to believe it and continue to move through the same exact doom loop. And maybe it's it's different flavors of the doom loop because it shows up in my relationship, it shows up in my work, it shows up in with myself, it shows up in my meditation. It just like I can't escape this thing. Mm-hmm. And where um, no matter how much deep work I do, it still keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up. And it's like the patterns of the way you're saying it to yourself is the, is again we go back from the difference of why am i thinking like this versus how am i thinking like this it's it's use new new math equation to get a different result and in the in this equation there the words are the numbers right and the mm-hmm. configuration of words on the other side of the equal sign is the feeling emotion identity story right it's mm-hmm. like if i shape them differently and i put them in a different configuration and i know how to play with the thoughts then I can get a different result. Yeah, there's a concept that I learned from 
somebody who I have a lot of respect for, integral psychologist Keith Witt, who's been one of Ken Wilber's key think tank members for many years, and he's a very, very skilled, powerful psychologist. He's been on my podcast two or three times. But Keith Witt says, we're, we're either creating more drama or creating solutions. So I think a real important tip is whenever we see the story unfolding in our head, to ask ourselves, do we want to keep creating drama or do we want to create solutions? And if you want to create solutions, that's when you have to be clear on what your dream is for any given situation. I'm fighting with my wife. What's my dream for this situation? I'm not making enough money. What's my dream for this situation? I don't like what I see in the mirror. What's my dream for this situation? In every one of those cases, it's usually the drama that's creating the stress, but the orientation to taking responsibility for the story and reformulating the words like I described earlier, and like you guys teach, that's creating solutions. And the, the problem is, is that, you know, p- people tend to dramatize themselves into immobility, into, yeah. you know, into low levels of productivity. Jung said the average man can never be successful. I, I personally have no desire to be average in anything that I do. So drama is average. Solutions are above average in our world. And so I think for those of you listening, just remember whenever you're engaged in a story within yourself or you're engaged in some kind of challenging conversation with somebody else, just quickly say, am I going to add drama or am I going to create solutions and invite the other person to do the same? And I think that when people realize that they actually have a choice between those two, that's a, a, an important step to awakening to the possibilities in the moment. Yeah. And I, when you look at that as a coach-client relationship, the clients come in with the drama. Coach, you have the solutions. We hope. We hope, right? And as long as you understand how to help your client guide themselves to those th- solutions, yeah. because you cannot, like, you know, again, it's it's not about just giving them all the right answers. It's about how can I help them find their right answers? Yeah. How can I ask the right type of questions? How can I reframe what they're saying or help them. And it's not even me doing it. It's like, I'm guiding them through the process for them to do it for themselves. And then they're going to believe it. There's going to stick. And it's also like we, one of the best questions that we ask in our methodology is like, which do you prefer? And you know, which do you prefer? Do you like the, uh, it's just the way I am. It's just the way I'm thinking, or it's just the way I'm being thought, which do you prefer? And the, then you put, Oh yeah. Which do I like? Well, I like, it's just the way I'm thinking. Cause then I feel like it can change it you know, okay, cool. So what are you thinking? Put the thought down. Okay. And now we can continue from there versus just being the one to say, well, here's the solution for what you're, what you're up against. An- answers push everybody. Questions pull. That's a big one. Well, I'm looking at that last piece of the, the review notes. Answers push, questions pull. Answers I tell them, questions they tell them. And that is a that is an amazing quote, Paul. That, that drama is average. That is amazing. It's also, it's brutal. That's brutal. <laughs> drama is average. No, no. What did you, did you say? Drama is average or? Well, I said, Jung said the, the average man can never be successful because by definition, if you're average, you're oh, not. Oh, that's right. Average is. is Average is not successful. Yeah, oh gosh. It's average. And uh, you're either creating drama or you're creating solutions. It's your choice. You have, we've talked about several of the things. You want to do a quick review to make sure you just make a clear statement on each of the things we covered in the last podcast before we jump forward? Sure there. I can take it from the top and do it quick. So there's a glitch in our language, everybody. And so there are language patterns in our language. You did not learn about this in 10th grade English class. Most people's education about their language 
comes down to spelling, grammar, and definitions. There's yeah. a little more to it than that. Read here with sarcasm. So that's what we talk about when when we say there's a glitch. There are there are language patterns that force you to create variations of the victim mentality, imposter syndrome. So for repetition's sake, and if you all listening have a pen and a piece of paper, go ahead and write this down. I'm going to recite the definition of the victim mentality. Most people have never heard the definition of the victim mentality, much less written down the definition of the victim mentality. And as the numbers go 30, 50, 80, you remember 30% of what you hear, 50% of what you write, 80% of what you teach, share, or explain. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends, underline that word, on a habitual, circle that word, thought process, that means how you're using your words, and attributions. In the three language patterns that script roughly 85% of the words people use to create the anxiety, the grief, the guilt, the anger, the sadness, the resentment, and the bitterness, projections, negations, soft talk, projections. She's wasting my time. Take out the she, put in an I. My dad always talks to me like a child. Take out my dad, put in I. They're not giving me the respect I deserve. Take out the there, put in I. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, who really, everybody, who talks more trash to you than you? It's not even a close yeah. comparison. Mm-hmm. And then there's negations. I can't keep living like this. Okay, well, if that's what you can't keep doing, what can you start doing? Uh, focus on my future more. I'm not going to make that mistake again. There's me, the words forcing me to make a picture of me making that mistake again in my imagination. Like my driving teacher said when I got in the car, when I was 15 and a half, look where you want to go. You're probably going to go there. And then mm-hmm. soft talk, right? That's rocket science. And then soft, most people are trying to drive forward looking in the rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. That's what negations do for you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And then soft talk. I, th- I I think it's 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 probably like um, procrastinating or, yeah, I, 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 I guess we really would like to hopefully come back and do another show with you one day, Paul. <laughs> Nothing cool happens like that. You sound like a dork. And it's stressful, and anxiety is a absolute flavor of stress. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if, fellas, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go ask, go out and ask a girl out and say, you think you might maybe want to someday go out on a date with me? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> She's and, already and, very confident. Oh, yeah, right. And see what your close rate is. And then we got breath trapped in the chest. So the victim mentality, amongst other things, is stressful in nature, traps the breath in the chest. When the breath is trapped in the chest, someone is going to be uh, hyper-focused on something. They're going to be fixated on something. They're going to be catastrophizing. Good luck changing your client's mind when their breath is trapped in their chest. And, and Charlie Chaplin said it. He said, life viewed under a microscope is a tragedy, viewed from afar is a comedy. And just like the difference between strolling and sprinting, you know, when the story is going really fast, which it does when it's kept in the head, you know, no one ever says they have strolling thoughts, racing thoughts. The faster the story goes, the harder it is to change. Mm-hmm. And a large part of that. So this is the mechanics. A large part of that is because the breath is trapped in the chest. Mm-hmm. When we, ex- when we get the stories written down, yes, the scary words. Okay. And yes, there's some sting involved in picking up that 600 pound pen and titling and writing out the specific events that happened when you were young that still hurt. Yep. That hurts. It's, it's, it's not fun, but you know, what's about a thousand times less fun is living with that for 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. That's the real scary stuff. If we get, if we get clear about it and, and when the breath loosens up, then we're able to zoom out 
And, and so when someone runs wind sprints, you have no peripheral vision. You're mm-hmm. just focused on that, the, the line, the cone, whatever. When someone goes on a slow walk, we get to zoom out. We get access to our peripheral vision. Same thing with storytelling. Abracadabra, it's Aramaic. Most mm-hmm. people think it means magic. Translates to with my word I create mm-hmm. or with my word I influence. The reticular activating system, it's that thing that's involved. Everyone's got one. You, your clients, everybody. You buy a new car, you start seeing that new car all over the place. That's the reticular activating system. I believe I told these two stories last time. Two, two good stories to demonstrate the reticular activating system being the impartial lens that it is. A woman came in, sat down. She said, I'm struggling in my marriage. My husband thinks I'm attractive. I refuse to believe him. I know when it started. I just don't know what to do about it. And it, she was 10 and they went to her grandparents' house. And as soon as she got in the door, her aunt leans down and goes, my, you have a big nose, just like me. Oh. Right? Thanks. Thanks for that spell mm. word or a combination of words of great influence. The little girl ran in the bathroom, looked at her nose, which was no bigger than it was five seconds ago, but in her imagination, now she's got a honker, which means something, mm-hmm. okay? Because it's not the story that gets us, it's the meaning that we assign to the story that gets us, and that meaning was, I'm ugly. So the reticular activating system goes as you wish, and it goes and points out, so it has a search and edit function. It searches for the things once we confirm them, confirmation bias, and, and so now it starts pointing out all the flaws, and then editing out any of her positive traits, including the compliments that her husband was giving her. Okay. And now she's got this, it's like a pair of binoculars. Now she's got this thing in her head and then, you know, positive spells too, you know, you're going to grow up and do, do great things in your life. You know, my dad said that to me and, and, you know, parents say things like that to their children all the time. And trust me, your kids hear that Mm -hmm. and it might not register, when they're seven, but when they get to 17 or 27, that seed is going to propagate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So take the time to spell well on your kids. And then, like I said earlier, answers push, questions pull. Answers, I tell them, questions, they tell them. And that right there is 85% of the difference between an amateur coach and a professional coach. Amateurs thinks I have to have all the right answers for my clients and um, I'm going to be wise and smart and, and solve all their problems. Uh, uh, Professional coach, questions, questions, questions. Write that, write that down. Get your words on paper. Questions, more questions. It's, it's, it's Luke Skywalker or Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, there's, they're two very different things. Mm-hmm. And so that right there is a very quick recap of our notes. Yeah, those are all great places to build from. So we will take it to the next level. We've already covered a lot of very valuable information. If we stop right now, I think people have plenty to practice with. So... Mark, if you're a parent, a coach, a therapist, what is it that you suggest you do with yourself and your clients when you've gotten them unstuck? Fantastic question. Specifically for parent help. Yep. <laughs> it's a team sport. Yeah. Specifically for, for parents with kids from the age of five to 12, this is a little of a segue aside conversation. Wins journal, five to 12. What you want to do is you want to take a notebook and one page, one, one win per page, one full, in, in full sentences, that's where more of the magic is. Get them to write down one thing that they did well that day. Right. Whether it's, it could be anything, tying their shoes, getting an A, getting picked to play on the sport, whatever the thing is. And in a matter of a couple things happen when that happens. 
in a in a in a short matter of time, there that's going to be a fun ritual for you all to do. And I, I also recommend doing that and picking a specific time of day to do it. So it's like we we celebrate our wins, everybody, kids, after dinner mm. or before breakfast or whenever. And in a short amount of time, they'll remind you if you forget. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens when because this this dovetails back into the reticular activating system? What you're doing is and and words on paper are a lot more powerful and clear and obvious than words kept in the head a majority of the time and well uh, you've you've just to interject there when you take a word from your mind onto paper creation emerges in three stages thought word deed mm. so the thought is the beginning writing the word puts it into the word but the act of writing it is the deed so you have three levels of manifestation yeah, yeah. versus just thinking the thought yeah or just saying it because yeah. writing it deeds it now you actually have a motor function tied to the mental function so you know for example if you cut a chicken's head off and let it go it can run but there's no head there because the gate function is stored at the spinal cord level in the motor aspect of the bird so when we're writing things, whatever it is, or I love myself, mm. you're in, you're basically mm-hmm. motorizing not only the thought and the word, but you're bringing the action of loving yourself into reality. So point being is writing something down is a three-phase level of creation. Now, of course, if you're writing down the plans to a new house, you still have to go build it. Correct. But when we're working with mental constructs, this is why I use art therapy, and, and yes. this is why I have people, um, you know, for example, do a self-reflection journal so at the end of the day they can write down the ways that they can see that they could represent themselves more authentically true to their dream in their relationships with self, others, persons, places, or things each day because it it imprints it more deeply instead of it just being, you know, because thoughts are, are like wind, you know. Mm. If you throw a handful of chalk in the air, it floats away, and then you can't find it anymore. But if you write something on a blackboard with a piece of chalk, you can come back for a long time until someone erases it, and even the act of erasing it is a conscious deed. So anyhow, that was my short interjection. No, that's, that's fantastic. To, and, to build on yeah. that, if something I'm skipping ahead a little I'll, bit I'll here, which is cool. that the, you know, people journal often. And what are you journaling? Because are you journaling, wow, my day really sucked and I feel awful and my, you know, this happened and that happened and using full of conflict language and and adding that three-step manifestation to the negative, right, right is it's where true. that's where I mean, in my own journaling practice, before I understood, really truly understood the mechanics of storytelling and the and the power of the words and how it was framing my reality, it was making it worse. It yes, was not. It wasn't helping. It was making it worse. And then I'm imprinting that that negative negativity in. And by starting to bring it back to the wind journal, by starting with kids young and helping them start to write the positive things, write the wins, mm-hmm. you're training them to search for that and look for that and to repeat that behavior versus repeating the negative, which is where most people are inclined to go and start, especially when it's like trying to express something that is hurting them or is painful or, you know, still getting it out on paper is helpful. It's then how do you draft it to put your attention where you want it to go yeah. and, and to, to make that rather than being stuck 
and you know, because we start, we're talking about getting unstuck. Well, well, what is it to be stuck? It's repeating those negative thoughts and feelings and emotions over and over and over again with no way out. Yeah, I think the 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 one positive thing about even journaling the negatives you've talked about is because the act of putting it on paper brings it up into the conscious. Absolutely, and it may take people a thousand pages of journaling to finally see. Well, look at me, I'm really really caught in my story. But this is where I remind people: look, if you if you see the drama, immediately switch to the solution. Because if you just keep writing the drama, the drama, it's it's almost like you're reproducing the same play over and over again. And so people get bored of watching it. Not only do we get bored of watching our own play, but others get bored of it. So if you say- You got, uh, you got it in writing. Here, here's the proof that I'm a victim of, of circumstance. Right. And, and so if you say, okay, there's the drama. Now what's the solution? Then you're practicing your, your power of choice or free will and self-agency. And that's where you have to have a dream, a goal, or an objective to guide your compass, or you don't know how to create the solution, right? And sometimes the solution is disengaging from relationships that are disempowering you, or, you know, learning, maybe I need some counseling on how to manage money, or maybe I need to change the way I look at exercise. And instead of seeing it as something that painful and sweaty, that I could just start by going for a walk and enjoy myself, right? But the the key point I'm making is it's fine to write the drama down because it is making it conscious, but at some point, sooner than later, it's better to say, now that I see the drama, I'm the director of the play. Let me recast this thing in a way that is affirmative for who I'm choosing to become in this moment. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to tell you about Wild Pastures' amazing meat delivery service. They have beef, chicken, pork, and wild-caught fish. My family and I have been enjoying their meat for quite some time now, and I just couldn't wait to tell you about it any longer. We had an amazing barbecue this weekend, and I'm still high off the meat. And they use a whole network of regenerative farms, which means that you're getting a different ecosystem from each farm, which means a different nutritional profile, which means nutritional diversity, which means health and vitality, which is exactly what we need right now in the world for ourselves and our families so we can all make a difference in the world. And Matt Smith's going to tell us more about this amazing company, Wild Pastures, about their offering and how you can get it. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much, Paul. And I'm excited to tell your listeners what they can get today and how we can help them out. So, you know, as you know, pastured meats are crazy expensive. And so our goal with Wild Pastures is to tap into this network of regenerative farmers and to finally create the solution of where we can get the highest quality meats delivered straight to your door for the most affordable prices around. And so we're on average seeing that we are 40% cheaper than any other delivery option out there. And that our customers have reportedly saved, on average, $1,000 on their grocery bill from meat alone. And so Wild Pastures is a regenerative meat delivery service that is solving this problem. And you can get 100% grass-fed and finished, as well as pasture-raised pork and poultry and wild-caught seafood from Alaska delivered straight to your door. So it's far more convenient. It's far more environmentally friendly because we're using regenerative farms entirely. We don't use feedlots ever. So the, the nutrition profiles are way better. You can definitely taste the difference. I know we were talking about this on our uh, just before we hopped on. You having a Father's Day barbecue and, and how incredible the pasture-raised chicken and beef short ribs were. And you can really taste the difference, right? I'm and still so, high. 
<laughs> and so our goal is to remove the roadblock from people's minds that if they want to eat healthy, it's too expensive. And so that's where Wild Pastures comes in is we are delivering with our own fleets of trucks whenever possible. We haven't raised our meat prices in over three years at this point. And we're really just creating convenience for the consumer and kind of being the high tide that rises all ships. If we can opt more people into a system like this, the cost stays down for everybody. And so there is a myriad of benefits that go into that. And so today, if your listeners want to try Wild Pastures and taste the difference and experience what it's like, go to wildpastures.com forward slash Paul Check or click the link in the show notes and save 20% off for life, plus get free shipping for life. Plus, get $15 off your first box. That's a mind-blowing deal. I can't even <laughs> imagine. I mean, I've never heard of an offer like that. And, you know, most people will hear an offer like that and think, this can't be that good. But I'm telling you, it's not, it's not only that good, it's really good. Or I would not be sharing this on my podcast. I think everybody needs to get a hold of Wild Pastures for their family, for their vitality, for their longevity, and for the future of this planet. So thank you guys very much. So Matt, Matt, just repeat the website again. Sure. Just go to wildpastures.com forward slash Paul check or visit the link in the show notes and get 20% off for life plus free shipping for life plus $15 off your first box so you can try it. You'll be glad you did. Taking control of the story is the most important part. And even putting the negative thoughts down on paper is going to help you create the clarity about where you do in fact want to go. And it's also going to create the space from the raging emotions and the 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 bitch voice in your head that's mm -hmm. trying to talk you out of it. So if you can externalize it by writing it down, that is going to help. You know, that's that's the first step in the it's, process. It's and, kind of like having a poop. Yeah. You know, but in order for- I love this podcast. I love this. You, you, we you had know, to come back. We flew all the way from Virginia to come out here. Well, thank you. You know, the thing about- <laughs> on, man. The You're thing about- poop is that it's only compost if you put it into a compost pile and have the intention of making something useful out of it otherwise it's just, it's just shit but when shit is composted you know in alchemy they have a process called fermentation the process of fermentation makes food more nutritious the process of fermentation makes grape juice become wine but if we don't have a conscious means of directing our own fermentation process, then what we get is just straight up rotting, right? And so I think we want to recognize that we can ferment things. In other words, if we see things in our journal, we have to say, okay, there's there's a sh there's the shit. Now I've got to ferment. Like fermenting would be, how do I turn this into a positive? I'm stuck in this relationship with a spouse I've been with for 20 years, I don't feel loved. I don't even feel in love. Now, you might have written that some var variation of that down for the last three or four years, but it's just shit until you have a way of fermenting it and start saying, well, what, what is it that I really want and how am I going to go about creating that for myself, even if it means I need professional help? And that's a very positive action step. So I think as as we're describing, very few of us have ever been taught these skills. So what happens is, and, 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 and to reinforce this, all you got to do is look at the scripts of most movies and the words to most songs, right? Yeah. Most songs are about how terrible my relationship was or how I got, you know, so broken, my broken heart, my broken heart. 
you know, that's why I like the old saying, what do you get when you play country music backwards? You get your dog back, your car back, and your girl back. <laughs> but you have to turn, but you have to change the polarity of the record player to get that. Yeah, right? well, even the composting, right? It's like to compost something, you have to turn it over you multiple do. times. You, you have do. to you have to turn it. You have to turn it. And I'm, I have the image of a compost bin that, you know, you spin, mm-hmm. right, to, to, to get new perspectives. We have exactly that. Yeah, uh-huh. so so the, here's the thing, right? How do you do that with your thoughts? You can't. You got to get involved. You've got to be able to look at the words differently, yeah, and create a different configuration of words. And, and Mark, maybe help me out with like a practical example here for people. But when you have a statement that you look at and you just see the same statement over and over and over again, it it frames a certain perspective. The only way to get that new altered perspective, like turn the turn the compost bin over, is to change some of the words, which is that the projection patterns we talked about, which is the soft talk How we've can talked I about. Ever get over this? <laughs> yeah. Write that down, say it, stare at the words, see how you feel, and scratch out the word ever. Yeah, I was just going to say one thing you can do is you can literally cross the word. I put a line right through them and then restate it in a positive Correct. statement because then you know you have the power to edit. Correct. Yes. Edit. Correct. Yeah. Correct. The child's journal, I'll do that in 60 seconds. Get your kids to write down one thing they did well per day, per page, and in a short amount of time, that's going to... It's going to build their reticular activating system to see themselves as good enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, the a lot of this stuff boils down to the fear of not being good enough. And when someone and, and the act of writing something down, which then will goes straight into what do you do with your clients when you get them unstuck? You're presenting evidence. Most people are very busy throughout the day. It's like they got they have a, a crazed prosecuting attorney in their head that just keeps presenting evidence mm-hmm. in a case that they're not good enough. Remember when that happened? Remember when she said this? Remember when you fucked that up? Remember that? And it's just it was you said the same thing yesterday, but it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? And when you start to write down your wins, and this is harder than most people would think. And I'm not talking about half sentences and bullet points, everybody. That doesn't cut it. That's not enough. That's not enough words to summon the feelings of, let's just say, gratitude or um, gratitude. Gra- gratitude practice. Name three things you're grateful for. You know, my wife, my kids, and my health. That's not enough words to create gratitude. And then half the times it's a net negative because they're like, well, I really should be grateful about this, but I don't feel it, so I'm a piece of shit, right? Mm. And then so with just with your kids, and then we'll get to coaching with your kids. You're you're presenting evidence on a daily basis, making a case for them that they are good enough, that they are smart enough, they do good things, they get things right, they are capable, and that builds confidence, and that raises their psychological and emotional immunity. And so they will walk out into the world with a way better picture of themselves mm-hmm. going out and living. It's a very big deal we've had. There's a reason that I jumped on into that side rant because we've had so many people, our coaches and our coaches' clients, do the wins journal with their children and say that it transformed their kids and the house mm. because they've got a way. You're, you're now participating in the goodness of your children. You're participating mm-hmm. in a conscious way, like you said, in creating a positive, healthy, productive, confident, competent identity. Most parents do not. If you ask, hey, how, give me the mechanics, give me the specifics as in detailed strategy about how you're going to help your child build a confident, competent, happy, healthy identity story that they tell themselves, mm-hmm. the mindset, they'll have no clue and they'll just say whatever, you know, and, and, and so there, that's, and that's exactly what you also do with your clients once you get them unstuck. So important side note, very rarely does a, 
a coach book in for a, a client book in for a coach when the sun is out. Most of the time they book in when they're struggling with something stuck, mm-hmm. they've got a problem. You know this as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. And okay, step one, meet them where they're at, clean up the house before you throw the party, get them unstuck in some form or fashion. There's a lot of good ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Once they are unstuck, what do you do? Everybody write this down. It's called celebrating wins, Mm. celebrating wins. And it's where you go and pick up the pen. And trust me, people get crickets on this because this is this is taking a compliment on steroids. And most people have a, a problem taking a compliment on steroids writing down times they've gotten something right, mm. writing, titling and writing out in detail. So conversational writing, not half sentences, conversational writing is, is, is writing like you talk in detail, the, the thing that went well, the time you won, the time someone was there for you, the time, the nice things people have said to you. Okay. And then what that does is it, it presents evidence. You're, you're hiring a defending attorney. Mm-hmm. Okay. To, to counteract the prosecuting and you're presenting case, you're presenting evidence in a case you're in, in for yourself that you are good enough. And a thousand percent, your clients have wins to celebrate. They have wins to celebrate and they haven't titled them and written them down. They're in their head and because they're in their head, they're not detailed and they're not as meaningful as they could be once they're written down. And so, and so from there that, um, you know, goes into number four. Why can goal setting be a bad thing to do right off the bat? If somebody walks in, and I've I've made this mistake plenty of times before I figured it out. Somebody walks in and they're upset about something, and they've got you know a story about their significant other that's taking up a tremendous amount of mental real estate. And I'm like, let's set some goals, and I'll help hold you accountable. And they could, in the moment, be like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds great, cool, okay, goals, yeah. I just I just need to get some goals. I need some see some better goals, and and then. And then so we get the goal flushed out and everything, and then they walk out the door, and the story snaps back into place. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then and so then it makes enacting the plan, taking action that much harder. So follow that rule of thumb, simple as it is: clean up the house, then throw the party. So get them unstuck, celebrate wins, then and then they're action oriented. Most people are inaction oriented. When a victim centric story is hijacked their head, their their breath is trapped in their chest. They're staring at it, catastrophizing. They're going to be overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so get them unstuck. Show them that they've done some good things in their life because they have, and then that that's a better time. They're, well, the fact they're, that yeah. they're there is already a good thing. It's a it's a it, if if they walk out with a different and better story, it's a good thing. Well, the, if no, somebody, the point I'm making is yeah, if you're looking for a win, you can demonstrate objectively you're obviously engaged in your own process or you wouldn't have hired me to begin with as a coach yes and hopefully they hire a coach that's going to help them change the story yes because if they go in there and they just hey tell me about all your problems and they tell the same if if someone walks out of a of a coaching session or a therapy session and the story is exactly the same built with the same words said described told in the same in the same rate of speech creating the same feelings they're walking out it's a net negative because what they just paid somebody to reinforce that neural net mm-hmm. of the person screwing them over yeah. or whatever the problem is so it it's it's a it's a good thing if they leave with a different new better story and if they leave with a different story they have to have a different different words because that's what hey oh the person changed my life 
When someone says someone changed their life, what they're saying is you helped me change a part of my story. And mm. I promise you, if the story changed, then you're using different words. Yes. That's where this thing gets, it, it comes back to, to the words. What words? What, get, get them on paper. Let's take a look. Yeah. It, it's, um, I think one of the things that rises up in me that's important is that if you want to really be effective as a parent, a coach, or a therapist using these concepts, I think it's very important to go through this training yourself because if, <laughs> yeah. if you're teaching concepts that you don't embody, you can end up having imposter syndrome because you're using concepts and ideas that you don't really know for sure work. That's why I tell all my students, before you start putting people on colon cleanses, make sure you clean yours out because you don't know what it's, it's like. like. The fourth reference to doo-doo so yep. far? Well, well, I, I want at least six. <laughs> yeah. Let's go for six. You know, the point is, is that, it. you know, you, you get, a, for example, a colon cleanse with antiparasitics and people can literally shit their pants on the way to work. I've done that. But if you, <laughs> if you do it to yourself, then you start becoming aware of, okay, these are the things that happen to you. This is how you can feel. You can have a detox reaction and think you're getting worse, but not realize it's part of the process of getting better. You need to make sure you drink a lot of extra water because there's often a lot of things like psyllium husk and clays in these kits that dehydrate you. So then you end up trying to clean yourself, but getting constipated. So point being is, is that we really need to take the initiative of being the change first so that we can teach people from that place of inner knowing inner truth and an inner sense of stability that we're really moving in the right direction. A thousand percent. Any comprehensive certification is, is going to do that. It's going to do that for the coach and then in turn the client. Okay. Yeah. Especially when it comes to stories and things like that. If someone shows up to quote unquote coach someone, help them get unstuck and they've got a lot of their own stories of ouch and pain and sting and woe in place, drama bonding and trauma bonding is inevitable. Yeah. Because their story about what didn't go well in their childhood is going to hook into my story of what didn't go well in my childhood, my unresolved story of what didn't go well in my childhood. And and then you got a real legit mess. Oh, and by the way, the the less work someone does on their story when they enter into coaching interactions, the worse their breathing mechanics are going to be. And and when someone is breathing in their chest as they're coaching someone, well, we have a saying, it's very simple. Good breathing equals good coaching. Hmm. Because good breathing equals good listening, and good listening equals good coaching. So good breathing equals good coaching. When someone is breathing well, when they're coaching someone, they're going to have that zoomed out perspective. They're going to be able to observe things that most coaches miss, as in the words, the rate of speech, where is your client breathing. Mm -hmm. And they're also going to have way better timing, rhythm and timing when it comes to interacting. Because guess what? If we're working on stories, then we're having a conversation about mm, that. Yeah. And that's very important. And then, and then also uh, to keep going, and I'm sure you could speak you know, about the very higher levels than I could about the metaphysics of this. When someone is going through a story of ouch and pain and sting and woe, and I'm breathing well while they're doing that, mm -hmm. it's an unconscious demonstration that that's okay. Well, you're creating a stabilizing field for them. See? Yeah. And most yeah. people do not have the, and it's not a conversation. It is a skill set that takes time to develop the ability to breathe well when the emotional heat gets turned up in the kitchen mm -hmm. with their client. Yeah. And, and when that happens, well, everybody, listen. If you want to, if you want to own coaching space, if you want, I, I really don't like this word and I'm going to use it anyway. If you want to master 
coaching. If you want to master transformation with story, you have to master silence. And there's Mm -hmm. only one way that you can do that, and that is to be comfortable in silence while your client is going through emotional alchemy, transformation, and there's only one way that you can demonstrate comfort, okay? And that's for you to be breathing low and slow. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, my breath is trapped in my chest, and that's an unconscious demonstration of me being attached to something in some way, whether it's the direction the session is going in or the content. Yeah. Now, does that address the difference between believing your client's stories and observing your client's stories? That, That is the key. That is the, that is the number one determinant in the in the thing. If I'm if my breath is trapped in my chest, I'm very, that's an understatement, likely to get sucked into the story, drama bonding, and then even mm-hmm. trauma bonding. If I breathe low and slow, then I'm observing. Yeah. It also you wanted to talk about how overly dramatized language has weakened our ability to express ourselves. It's almost a, a sort of a paradox because over dramatizing is a high energy expression because there's a lot of drama there so it takes more drama to over dramatize in other words it takes more energy and then where do you go with your words when something of real significance shows up so it was a mind-blowing blueberry muffin yeah. like wh- really really or was it good you know if i'm if i'm that's me not being economical with my language i'm just throwing those vi- my dad said that they would hear the word incredible about twice a year when he was a kid and and when they did, they knew that they needed to pay attention because something, whatever was being talked about was very important. And it's like the Donner Party. So are you familiar with the Donner Party? Mm-mm. So there were mid-1500s, some people, a caravan of you know, people set out from the Midwest and they got stuck in what's now called the Donner Pass near Lake Tahoe. And it was one of the worst snows in history. And um, they got stuck up there and the worst things you could possibly imagine ensued, including cannibalism. Mm-hmm. And one of the survivors wrote her wrote her sister back home, and she said four things. She said four, the, the letter had four sentences in it. It said, "Stay home. You do not travel. You have a good life. You do not know what trouble is." And I just thought to myself when I read that, it was about five years ago when I I, I got introduced to that story. I was like, you know what? That's that's someone being very, very, very economical with their words. And mm-hmm. if you look back 100 years, people did not talk about mind-blowing events and the most incredible party you've ever been to. Or how about the party, you, you know, we, we do have a somewhat of a dark sense of humor in, in Lifted. One of the, in the course that we referenced in Lifted Coaches Essentials, talking about the excess dramatization, it's called dramatics. Of language, it's it's saying your dinner party wasn't a total disaster. Mm-hmm. Now the Donner party, on the other hand, <laughs> that was a total disaster. So you need to save your words, folks, for when they mean something. One more example on that: my mother, she she used a four letter word maybe ten times in her entire life, and when she did, everybody in the house mm. stood up at attention, and 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 things changed. That's Penny, right? I've only heard Penny say fuck, I think, three times in 28 years. So I tell people, if you ever hear that word, it's look the same out. Thing. Shit's about to hit the fan. <laughs> you know, there's, I think it was Mark Twain that said, it's, he's writing a letter to someone and he begins the letter by saying, I'm sorry this letter is so long. If I had more time, I'd have written you a short one. 
<laughs> yeah. That right there, that totally, totally. And that's that's what most people are dealing with with the story in their head. Mm-hmm. And and stories kept in the head are extremely complicated. Mm. And that's inherently stressful because the pictures are going to be really big and very overwhelming. And one of the fastest ways, it's the fastest way, it's where to start. When when we want to simplify a story is to get it written down and then go through, you know, there's a number of great processes mm-hmm. in order to simplify and distill. This is alchemy. Distill the thing down to its essence mm-hmm. and then you've got space and clarity. The the And most people fall into the trap of thinking that their problems that are so big and huge and complicated, the answer must be equally as big and huge and complicated. And I'm here to say exactly the opposite. And I'll prove it 99.999% of the time. I'm giving myself some wiggle room. Give me a pen and a piece of paper and somebody who wants to end the misery and we will do it. Um, Bringing it back to just quick point to tie a lot of what we just talked about up is like the importance of doing this work for yourself and becoming more potent with your words and becoming more clear about what you're communicating, that's going to benefit you in every area of your life. And in your coaching specifically, your your clients are going to have a lot more clarity about what it is that you're asking of them and what it is that they're, um, they want their outcomes to be. And so the complexity of what you understand as a coach and the, the vastness of the knowledge that you understand, your job is to distill that down into actionable behaviors for your client and to be able to help them implement it in a way that is like not complicated, right? Yeah. It's meant to be easy. That's why they're coming to work with you. You have the ability to take this massive amount of information and distill it down into something simple and actionable. They don't need to know all of the details of your research and all the details of why everything works when you can communicate clearly and concisely. And being able to like really direct people's energy and attention with your words is a super important skill that in coaching you can end up talking your clients in circles and over explaining or over implementing or overdoing you're, you're explaining it. you're losing yeah it's it's there's so much that happens in those exchanges that you know mark mentioned the silence mentioned the space mentioned like creating the stabilizing field for them Gi- i like those words giving the, the giving them the opportunity to to slow it down and to simplify what is happening in their shitstorm because mm. that's what they're in is part is a massive part of your job is to be able to take that chaos and bring it down into something calmer, cooler, more collected. And, you know, when, when clients come in and we, we talked about this, about them being overwhelmed and overly emotionalized, you want your clients to be emotional. You want them to have those emotional experiences. What you want to do is transmute that emotion. We talked about it with the winds from chaos and overly all of the negatively charged emotions or the overwhelming charged emotions and help them shift that and use that same emotional response in a positive way that pushes them towards their goal and manifestation. They have to feel it. They have to feel it. But if they're so stuck feeling in the shit, how can you get them to be in the positive feelings, it's it's not by explaining anything. It's about it's taking them through the process. Here, listen, good luck, good luck. And I got a question for you, Kimmy. Good good luck cheering your clients up when their heads on fire and their breath is trapped in the chest. Okay, you're probably going to get a smile and a nod and think you're you know doing a great job. You're not. It's smarty pants coaching. That is, it's exactly what it is. It's amateur hour. How much? How much, Kimberly? You've been doing this. You've been crushing, and she's got a. Her, well, it's our podcast and it's, you know, you're the, it's yours. How much better are you with your words now since walking in oh, the, in mean, Lifted University? It, Same thing with me. It's, uh, it's 
the the result of it has it is impacted and changed every aspect of my life. I'm infinitely more confident and I was already pretty, you know, confident to begin with. I was one of those similar to how Paul described himself of like, you know, watch me, you know, and a very like go-getter, fiery type energy and this has made me more confident and far more relaxed about my confidence and into my confidence. It helps me be able to field. Yeah, stabilizing field for sure. I resonate with that a lot. I think along with that confidence and fire and passion is really the like is a big desire to help people, right? Because I see what's going on with them and I'm like, oh, I want to help you. And me coming at you with that fire and confidence and that like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to help you do this or you got it. It's that doesn't, um, it doesn't always inspire the same response and it doesn't always support the same response. Whereas sitting back and being more relaxed and guiding and, and really, um, you know, creating a space in which somebody can change their own mind. Right. Hi, everybody. I sure hope you're enjoying the podcast. You know, a couple of months ago, Organifi sent me a couple of bags of their new Sheila J gummies to sample, and I was blown away with how great they taste and how much my body loved them. Having used Sheila J paste for many years, I've never been a big fan of the taste of it, but when I tried Organifi's new Shilla J gummies, I was truly impressed. The texture and consistency of the gummies is excellent, and they have just enough natural sweetness to let me feel like I'm getting a lovely, healthy treat for both my mind and my body. Shilla J is a unique, potent mineral paste from the Himalayan mountains. It contains an abundance of trace minerals, antioxidants, organic acids, and nutrient-transporting compounds. It's been known throughout history to help boost vitality and strength. Just pop a couple gummies and chew or suck on them slowly for a steady release of the delicious, earthly, but slightly sweet natural flavor. Your taste buds will enjoy the delicious treat while your body soaks up the massive amounts of feel-good nutrition. Rich in fulvic acid, humic acid, vitamins, enzymes, bioflavonoids, antioxidants, metabolites, and over 40 trace minerals, Shilajay gummies can help support energy production, support performance and recovery, support healthy muscles, promote collagen synthesis, support healthy hormone levels, increase cellular energy, decrease fatigue, and promote heart health. I absolutely love Organifi Shilajay gummies and went through two bags in no time because my body craved them so much. I reached out to Organifi to get more right away, and I bet you will too. To get your 20% off for Living 4D listeners on your Shilajay gummies, go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash C-H-E-K-20. On checkout, use the promo code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 2020. That's check 20 on checkout to get your 20% discount on your awesome Shilajay gummies. I honestly love these things. I know you're going to be just amazed with how great they taste and how good they feel. A technique that I use, I learned it studying art therapy. And it, it can be done very simply with a pencil and a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be as elaborate as a paint set. I've, I did it for years using watercolor pens because they're portable and they're easy. And the color adds a, another dimension. I call it turning shit into flowers. <laughs> so if somebody's very, there's what, number five? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm counting. Um, let's say someone's coming in, they're, they're wound up, they're dramatizing a lot. What I do is I say, now I just want you to, 
take a witness position and look at your story. And if it creates an image inside of you, what I'd like you to do is sketch that down, or I want you to do it as an assignment, you know, especially if it's a repeating theme. I want you to paint the shit that you're feeling, you know, because a shitty day, a shitty relationship, a shitty business deal, whatever, and paint it exactly how it feels. Don't worry about what it looks like. I mean, literally just let it out. That's six. <laughs> and then, so you're satisfied now? You got your I was, I was, yeah, just, just to <laughs> yeah. shake your hand in the parking lot. I was ready to go. Not and really so the, the point then is I say, now just leave it where you can look at it. And just ask your inner self, your soul, to say, how do I convert that into something beautiful? And so the, then you might have a, a, a big mess, and you say, ah, oh, I can put a box around that and write the word compost on it. And then I can draw some flowers growing out of the compost. Or I can add some characters to it, and it looks like they're uh, playing a game of pickup sticks or whatever. But the, the art therapy process is to first move it out, give it some color, some shape, some dimension, but then go into the act of practicing creativity and see how it is I can convert this trauma, drama, story stuff into something positive. Take something that's ugly and add beauty to it. And I think that is a very important practice because a lot of us are not taught to use our creativity. So we end up kind of in this Groundhog Day experience and you hear the sort of the same story over and over or recapitulations of the same themes. But by taking the opportunity to put it on paper, capture it, and then say, now I'm going to actually use an act of creativity. And I tell them, you don't have to do it all at once. Just set it where you can see it. And if all of a sudden you walk by and you go, oh, wow, I could put a house over here and I can put a dog over here. I mean, and these don't have to be pretty. They can just be like, you know, stick man figures. And it really helps people learn. After you do five, six, eight, or 10 of those, you actually start doing it within yourself. You say, oh, there's my drama again. And now let me take an, a minute here to be creative and say, okay, I've observed that I have this pattern what would be a more self-empowering pattern? And then you start be being creative. And, and I tell people it takes no more energy to create what you don't want than it does to create what you do want. You're just in the habit of creating what you don't want. Repetition. So all you got to do now is use the same creative impulse to create what you do want. And in the beginning, if the reverberating story can be used as an inspiration to practice creating what you want, then it can serve you. Otherwise, it, it's just you know, it's it's like what I call a circle jerk. You just keep going around in circles. You never get anywhere. Yeah. And that's what's happening in so many of us is like we have these negative repetitive thoughts. We don't realize we can edit them, audit them, change them. So we stay in that same circle and then we learn a new tool and we're like, oh, wow, that's really helpful. And we fail to continue to practice it. And so getting one rep in at doing something at one time is really not going to make you any better. You've got to consistently practice and consistently apply. And what I love about the system that, that we teach and we implement is I can practice it right now. I can 
can say a statement and say, actually, I don't like how that that feels, or I don't like the image that puts in my head, or I don't like the feeling, and I can say it differently. And it quite literally is a matter of it's mathematical. Once you deconstruct the system and you practice it all the time and bring it back to that idea of being able to practice it yourself, this is something that you have to learn and practice for yourself first to really understand the benefit of it and the different result and outcome. Mm-hmm. And then when you start teaching it with other people, it's like, how many times have you taught the how can I ever get over this game? Probably more than you could count. And and every single time there's almost the same response and reaction from the group or, you know, the the certification. It's like, you know what's gonna happen when the students go through the same exercises. And why? Be because I love, it's I love doing the should it's be ultimately like the mind works in the same ways, it's patterned in the same ways until we start to build new and different patterns and new and different approaches. And, you know, it's the same thing with like how things are portrayed in the media and how things like people, this is, you know, we can talk about this in the coaching space. We could easily zoom this conversation out into macro of about how we're being manipulated through mm-hmm. our language and through mm-hmm. the words and, and, and the images that are being presented to us. And the reality is, if you want to, if you want to unlock mental freedom, the first thing you have to do is you got to really figure out how your own mind works mm-hmm. and learn how to create and produce a different outcome. Yeah. Because if you can't do that for yourself, good luck doing it out in the world. I mean, turn on open up the internet, turn on any news station, listen to any podcast. If you just observe, if you believe everything at face value without actually recognizing what's really going on, you're, you're screwed. You're not, you're not going to have mental freedom. Well, you're also by definition, a child because you know, (laughs) children don't really have, they don't have the capacity for abstract thinking and they don't have an adequate ego structure yet for discernment. So really what, when people are behaving that way, it's an indicator that they're still archetypally a child. One of the things I wanted to share, uh, as it might be something that would be helpful to you guys for your own program, but I think it would be helpful for the listeners, is that you know we're talking about these repeating stories and the dramas in people's heads and then their lives. You know, so a lot of these things really fall into what I would classify as an addiction. It's a mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. yes. So my definition of an addiction is any repeated behavior that does not produce the results you want. I use a system where you just draw a square and in the middle you put the addiction. So let's say it's coffee. You put a cup of coffee in there just as a sketch. At the bottom, we have a belief. So the belief is, there's always a belief. If I get the coffee, then something's going to happen to me. And on the right side of the box, we have expectation. The belief is, coffee will give me more energy so I can go to work and it'll clear my head. There's the expectation. He's talking to you, Mark. Then, had how many cups have I had? <laughs> One small cup. And then you have the outcome. So if you believe the coffee's going to do this, you have an expectation and there's an outcome. If it does not bring you to step four, which is the opposite side of the box from expectation, then you're going to do it again, right? So you have a belief, an expectation, an outcome, and does it bring you to satiation? If if it does not bring you to satiation, you keep doing it. The belief is you need more, okay? So the question is, what is it ultimately that you're needing to satiate? Is it a sense of loneliness? Is it a sense of, uh, I'm not good enough? Is it um, I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not powerful enough. Nobody loves me. Until we really get clear on on what it is that we're trying to satiate, then we keep going through belief, expectation, outcome, but we never get satiated. 
th this is one of the reasons stories keep repeating in the head because people aren't orienting themselves to what it is they're trying to satiate. You understand the perspective? Once you know what it is that you're trying to satiate, then you actually know whether or not the coffee as a metaphor is the right medicine. Usually the right medicine is sleep in this analogy, right? It's just, I need to sleep more. If you don't get clear on that, then you can coffee yourself to death and store yourself to death. That's a very simple four-step box process. I like it. Put what you put the story in the middle or the drama or the or the addiction in the middle. What's the belief? What's the expectation? What was the outcome of me constantly repeating the story in my head? And did it satiate you? Obviously not. You keep doing it. So what what is it that you're really craving. Almost always, by the way, all addictions are attempts at safe love. They're all attempts at safe love. And even all the storytelling is an attempt. You, you, I keep telling you my story as my coach. I just want you to love me, right? So if you just get to the point where you learn to feel love and create love, then you don't have to depend on somebody else to do it for you. So I think uh, Finding what it is that we're trying to satiate ultimately is one of the most important ways to change our thoughts, which changes what we write, which changes how we act, which is what changes the world. That's the name of the game. Yeah. You you were going to talk about conspiracy theories because, uh, you know, there's a lot of that going on and, and I think people have a tendency to conspire in their heads. And I know even my mind will do it. Okay, somebody's you know, wants to speak to me. I wonder what it is that they're upset about. You know, you see, you think, hmm, could it be this? Could it be that? So why don't you go ahead and share what's important with regard to Enlifted's approach to the conspiracy theory. And I've done it. I've seen, and I've lived in quote unquote spiritual communities and, and you know, um, sometimes the topic of conversation is conspiracies. Yeah. Like, um, you know, and what I have, those stories, and if you do the research, you know, the, as the old saying goes, what's the difference between the truth and a conspiracy? Uh, 12 to 18 months, right? Well, and, yes. <laughs> by definition for the listeners, a conspiracy is a theory for which there is no evidence. I'm talking more about the um, kind of conspiracies that the CIA coined the term conspiracy theory to prevent people from researching on their own. Right. Yeah. yeah. To, to diminish people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and that stuff's interesting. It's, it's they're likely, very likely true. And what happens when someone goes into stories like that frequently? Okay. And it's just another good reason, whether those things are true or not, it's another good reason to do a damn good piece of work on your personal story. Because if you walk into conspiracy theory land mm -hmm. and start researching some of this, some of the, the, the spookier things, let's just say COVID for instance, yeah. um, and you keep researching and you're like, oh my gosh, there's this organized cabal of fucking weirdos doing weird stuff. And they have got a plan. And then that layers on top of pre-existing victim centric stories, mm. it inflames those things. I've seen people go down in flames getting into those getting into that stuff, mm -hmm. okay, without having done a good piece of work on the stories they have about their mom, mm. stories they have about their dad. Mm -hmm. or, or themselves. Or themselves, which is all you know, it comes back to self. Yeah. So, you know, my advice 
is, you know, research that stuff if you're pulled there. And then also, you know, clean up the stories of being bullied when you were young. Okay. Yeah. If, you, if you really want to do something about that, those, those bigger picture problems, clean up your smaller picture problems. Oddly enough, simple as I am, I can entertain that the universe in all its wisdom and glory is a feedback system. Totally. And, and if it's if you got almost eight billion people running victim centric stories, the the collective unconscious influences that feedback system and the universe yeah. goes, Oh, oh, if y'all are a bunch of victims, here's here's a bunch of villains. So, you know, are we gonna go out there with pitchforks and change stuff? What what if it's what if it's a go within and clean up our own personal stories yeah. and, and unlock our breath, which influences other people's breath. And you know, what, what would happen? And then, and then from there, I'm like, okay, cool. I go past the conspiracy. I'm like, what would happen? What would happen if the, and the whole hundredth, do you believe in the hundredth monkey syndrome? I, I believe there's okay. merit to it. Yeah, yes. for sure. I've seen it too many times. Yep. It's not a conspiracy anymore. <laughs> yep. It's not. See, exactly. Rupert Sheldrake's research, by the Thank way, you. gave the science behind how that happens. Yep. Morphogenic fields. Yep. The, 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 the Bible says it, it only takes a homeopathic amount of people to shift the collective unconscious. Mm -hmm. And so what happens if, you know, enough people unraveled their own personal victim centricities and unlocked their, what would happen if the, if, if the, the breath of humanity was unlocked? What, how yeah. would that change today? How would that change the generation and generations ahead of us? What I, I, you know, we would get access to superpowers. Well, we, yeah, we, we have be, them. We're just afraid they're to dormant. Use them. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is the word conspire means to breathe together. Yeah, it's true. That so, amazing? conspiracy is to breathe together. How about yeah. prospiracy? How about. Well, it's also, I mean, like this, this conversation, right? It's like you look at what's happening in the world and it is so polarized and so us against them and mm -hmm. whatever camp you want to attach yourself to and whatever flag you want to fly. If I have the opposite flag, I'm automatically your enemy or you're automatically someone that I need to convince that you're wrong and I'm right. And mm -hmm. people want to be right about what they believe. They want their cause to be right. But you can see it everywhere that people are are playing the core of the whether it's like Trump supporters or Biden supporters or pro-vax or anti-vax or it's like you you if you listen to the the way they're telling their stories the language patterns of the victim mentalities those those habitual thoughts that have to be in there mm -hmm. the definition of the victim mentality they're using the same words Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, those people over there are stressing out and holding their breath in their chest. And these people over here are stressing out and holding their breath in their chest. You know, what happens if this keeps going? Emotional well, not, warfare. Not, nothing much changes in the positive, that's for sure. You know, the, the four survival archetypes that Carolyn Mice talks about are the victim, the saboteur, the prostitute, and the ch negative derivations of the child or staying in the child archetype. But the real function of, of the survival archetypes is to show you through experience what you don't want to do to other people. So when you've experienced being victimized, it's your reminder to not victimize other people. When someone sabotages you, it gives you reason not to sabotage others. When you've become a prostitute and you see how painful it is, it's your reminder to set up healthy barriers, have a dream for yourself, and not fall into prostituting yourself. And when you're acting like a child in the position of an adult, it usually leads to pain and loss. So it's a reminder that it's time to be an adult when it's time to be an adult. And so I think my point that I'm making is 
I don't think there's anything wrong with recognizing when you're being victimized, like, uh, you know, someone's obviously abusing you. Uh, otherwise, you stay in a, a messed up relationship for the rest of your life. I don't think there's anything wrong with recognizing when you're being sabotaged or recognizing when you're sabotaging others. The point is, is if you don't recognize it, then you cannot use your creativity to address it and come up with something um, that's more dream affirmative, more life affirmative, more relationship affirmative, more love affirmative. Point only being that th these these archetypes are in us for a reason, but the core survival archetypes are there to teach us through experience what we do not want to do to other people. If you don't learn what you don't want to do to other people, then you also haven't learned what you don't want to do to yourself. And that's what drives a lot of this behavior is, is people have not taken responsibility for healing these archetypes in themselves. Correct. Through a lack of awareness, lack of education. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, either one. The other thing is change takes energy, and we've got so many people that are so unhealthy. Oh, yeah. They don't have the energy to change, you know, and that's one of the first things I do. When I work, you know, most of the people that see me are very complicated cases, and they usually come expecting very complicated programs. But what I learned the hard way is you can't give complicated programs to complicated, tired people. You've got to give them very simple programs. So I start with things like, how about drinking more water, getting to bed, by 10.30 at the latest, and how about uh, moving your body for at least half an hour a day? You know, I always say the best exercise in the world is the one you're willing to do. So if you, if you will just walk or ride your bicycle or use a rowing machine or whatever it is you're willing to do and try eating real food, those are very, very basic things. And if I have to only give them one or two of them, I found if they can't do that, there's no way they're ever going to have the energy to change the, the things that are usually what are causing their illnesses, diseases, relationship problems. So as a caveat to all this, everything we're saying here is very, very true, but it also takes energy. And the mind uses 80% of the available blood sugar in your body anytime it's cognitively engaged. So looking at your story and rewriting it, is a, it's, a, it's a fairly high level of mental activity. So if a person's not eating well and not generating enough energy to meet their survival needs, the brain's going to see that whole exploration of your story as a secondary issue when in the inside, the reticular activating system or the reptilian brain, which is the brainstem saying, you need to create safety and security and you need to eat. And safety and security usually means, can I breathe right now? Do I have access to food and water? Can I poop if I need to? Can I pee Seven. if I need to? Can I move my body? And do I have love in my life? And do I have access to creativity? Because those are very deep instinctual drivers. And I tell people all the time, look, if you've got food, water, safety, shelf, shelter, and warmth, you've got people that love you, that you can share love with, you can breathe, you can pee, you can poop, you can move, then the story in your head's really not that stressful. It's just a habit. And those habits, right, that's preventing them from doing those basic foundational acts of self-care to maintain yeah. their uh, vitality, sure. right? Like the story, that habitual story, the victim mentality is creating more of the same. Yeah. And it's preventing them from drinking more water. Yeah. It's preventing them from going for the walk and, and learning, like 
you know, to be able to implement changes with somebody who is deeply in the victim mentality, you have to baby step them into changing the story. And that's where a few simple changes of singular words can make all the difference. I should really go to the gym today. I choose to. Yeah, we go through the process of the should detox and we go from I should to I could. And now it paints a possibility, right? And then I go from I could to I can because... And then I can go, I can go because, and I give myself a reason that person's like way more likely to actually go do it. And when you recognize and you can see that your clients are shooting all over themselves or that there's that I, whatever, (laughs) he's still counting the, um, the ability to shift like those small, simple words and, and, and really make it an, a emotionalized experience, right. In the positive direction where we can, yeah, I, I could go to the gym today because, and this is what I'm going to do. And then they go do it. And then now we can repeat that habit. We can start to form a new habit by changing the way that we talk ourselves into it. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the time, uh, the I think we talked about, we talked about over, overly dramatic language, but there's part of what we call drama language is, is pressure, the pressure that we put on ourselves mm-hmm. to uh, to get the thing done. And, and people don't, operate out of pressure and obligation as well as they do out of the ability to, to to see the positive outcome that they want and feel empowered to do the thing that they want to do. And so just being able to, you know, some of the most fundamental, like the ways that this system can work in coaching, I've applied it in group fitness where I'm hardly really coaching people, but I'm just saying the things where they can, they can attach, say it enough times, a repetition, then that thought pops up in their head, right? Mm-hmm. And, or um, with the, with a few simple language games can then change change somebody's perspective and and put them into action. And then there's the deepest expression of it, which is to really go into those stuck hurt traumas and the things that are really operating and running the show and and clearing that out, right? And there's layers and levels to the system. And is as simple as it is, it's also very, very, very much when practiced, it can fit so many different scenarios in so many different ways that you know, it's like a continual learning process about how, wh- how, and what is going to get the person. Again, I go back to that question: What do you prefer? Get the person who you're trying to enact change with to to figure out what is the perfect combination of words for them to do it, mm-hmm. and not the thing that's just what they are, should do or what they're supposed to do or what everyone else says they're supposed to do. It's like, what are you, what are you going to do, and how are you going to make that change? And it's. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting like the the foundations of how um how easy it is to get frustrated at your clients that can't see what you can't see or can't see what you see and how easy it is to get frustrated and write them off because they can't implement these simple actions and behaviors that are so obvious to you as a coach, mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, am I actually communicating with them in a way that hits them? Am I meeting them where they are or am I mm-hmm. trying to uh, you know, throw them a rope across the pond and expect that they're expecting a bridge? It's two totally different things and and being able to to skillfully navigate that in the coaching profession is is perhaps one of like the best skills that a coach can learn because as much information as you know you know yes you have to be proficient at your craft and you have to know the information it's it's also a matter of working with people to get them to to make the changes and yeah. if they're unwilling they're unwilling and you can have you can have a better set of tools to help them do that um, than just explaining or giving them the answer or presenting a solution. Hello, everybody. After countless requests, I'm super excited to announce our How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy online training program. 
This program is designed specifically for anyone that wants to learn how to eat, move, and be healthy, and is perfect as a learning opportunity for the whole family. In my 40 years as a holistic health practitioner, I've always been saddened and amazed that there is no real basic health training in our education systems that teaches people how to care for their body and enjoy the freedom that only health can give. Anyone will be able to follow my How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy online and learn many ways to apply what I share in my book. And to give you even more support, this offer includes a free How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy ebook to help reinforce your learning process. In fact, if you've not yet read my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, you can take this special six-week How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy online training program and get instant coaching on how you, your family, and friends can look and feel your best. You will not only learn from me personally, but you will learn from Angie Check, Head of Holistic Lifestyle Coaching at the Czech Institute, Matthew Walden, Head of Education for the Czech Institute, and Joe Rushton, who is a Czech Institute instructor and certified chef. All our presenters in this course are highly skilled and add tremendous value to this excellent training program. How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy Online will be available as of January the 9th. This course is $495, but as a Living 4D listener, you get a special launch discount of 40% off and can make three payments of $99. Again, you get a free How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy ebook to help you look and feel your best and support your learning with the online training program. This offer is only available until January the 31st. Take advantage of this incredible offer and get started creating the new you. Go to C-H-E-K dot, so C-H-E-K, the word C-H-E-K lowercase, dot group forward slash capital L number four D dash E-M-B-H. Once again, that's C-H-E-K dot group forward slash L number four D dash E-M-B-H. I have received countless letters from people around the world about how they healed many things that ailed them and how they look and feel better and have much more energy. And many mothers told me that how to eat, move, and be healthy has been a miracle for their children too. Enjoy this opportunity to make your 2024 a year of health, vitality, and enjoy a new level of freedom that you have never had before. One of the terms I created is ant infections. Would ant, should ant, could ant, and did ant. So when people start, you know, repeating, oh, I couldn't do this, or you shouldn't do that, I say, ah, you've got an ant infection. So I <laughs> work on healing ant infections, because I think that, you know, is is very important for us to learn to take responsibility for what we're creating with our words, which is really what your whole program's about. Next was we were going to talk about, you know, keeping to the basics, but I think we've covered that. Is there anything more you want to say on keeping to the basics? I've got a question for you, Paul. And okay. it does it's it do, does touch on, you know, the white shadow or the spiritual ego okay. when it comes to coaching. What's the difference for you with this language game? So everybody write this sentence down. I am responsible for my clients. And then write this sentence down. I'm responsible with my clients. What's what's the difference there for you, Paul? Well, the if there is one. Well, there is a big difference. I'm responsible for my clients turns the client into an object. 
and it basically means you are using them like a chess piece. And if they don't perform well, then you're probably going to treat them where a lot of parents treat kids that don't clean their bedroom up when they're told to. I'm responsible with my clients. For me, means I take responsibility for my 50% of the relationship because we're always in a relationship. Uh, you know, to me, every client is bringing me a gift. Even the, the the gift is often that they can be very hard to work with, so they give me practice. Mm-hmm. And they also uh, have a tendency to trigger parts of me that haven't healed. So when I find myself going, oh my God, I can't believe how stupid this is that they keep doing this to themselves, then I have to say, okay, I'm I'm um, using judgment words. I'm separating myself from the client. How can I, instead of projecting that they're stupid, take it upon myself to say, how can I support them in gaining a better perspective or feeling more empowered? So for me, the difference is in sentence A, people become objects that you control, which gives you the illusion that you're the uh, healer, game warden, the prison. I mean, the prison warden or the, the the healer doing the healing. Not, in other words, it's not a. That's what the white shadow is, everybody. That's yeah. what the spiritual ego is in coaching. It's yeah. it's 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 very seductive and dangerous. Yeah, yeah. There's there's uh, lots of different variations of that thing. So the point being is that there's a difference. Yeah, and that you're working with people. You're not. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Meet them not, where they're at. Toying with them. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. We talked a lot about the imposter syndrome already. I, I think we've done that one plenty of justice. It's Ryan Sprague time? <laughs> Mike, <laughs> yeah. Mike Salemi time? Yeah. Uh, you put that in there and I, I'm like, <laughs> okay, where's he going with this? <laughs> we just want to talk about how much we love some people. And um, we've also got some shout outs for some of your students that have come and studied with us and yeah. just want to give them give them a little bit of love ryan Bragg, i i mean is he kimmy a one-man walking party <laughs> uh by himself no but when he's I think when he he's in a group of people he creates a party yeah he's got a lot of spirit in him for sure and mike's very grounded i think mike's a beautiful balance of the left and right brain myself if i could just mm-hmm. look at the two qualities mm-hmm. creativity openness and logic, methodical, efficient. That's how I describe Mike. And I've, you know, on my podcast, there's several other of my students that have been my clients that are also right in that camp that are amazing people, such as Greg Schmaus, who have a couple of great podcasts with Jason Picard, um, his brother Jared Picard. There's, there's quite a number of them. And it's just great to know that we have these beautiful people in our lives. Thousand percent. A couple of, couple other people. Uh, Allison Pillow. I love Allison. Yeah. yeah, she's been on my podcast. I think two or three times. I just saw her in uh, Portland two weekends ago. Yeah, we went out to. Um, I was out there to do a couple of workshops, and her, uh, her husband Liam hosted a, yeah. a party in the back room at, at Dick's Primal Burger. That's their restaurant. That's their it? restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very cool. So shout out to Allison Pillow, William Arthur, the guy that sees my jeweler, the guy that's made. I'll, yeah, I'll put you in touch you with him. Hook me up with him. Yeah, for sure. Jeremy Grusteiner, Matt Meyer, of course Ryan Sprague, Gareth Spencer, Bill and Gail Matthews. Gail is taking L- HLC one right now. Oh, great. Yeah, and then just every, like like I said, 
everybody in our, our community was very excited to that we were going to have the opportunity to come back on and, and share some time with you, Paul. And cool. they, they send you a lot of love and respect. Tell them I send my love too. I, I send you all yeah. my love. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to have you do it. I can do yeah. it right okay. now. <laughs> yep. And then and then Alex, the French Muay Thai kickboxer in Melbourne, she's a big fan of yours. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least we know she can defend herself. Correct. Correct. Well, what is the offer you guys have for Living 4D listeners on this most amazing program? And uh, where do they go to take advantage of this opportunity? Yeah, so we have uh, we have our main offering is our coaching certification. Yeah. And we've had a lot of Czech students, many of just what Mark just mentioned, um, have come through and taken our coaches certifications level one and level two and been, and just like part of the reason why we love being here talking with you is learning from you because our students are raving about what you're doing and how Mm -hmm. complimentary our skill set, like the, what we teach and what you teach are. And so it's, this is a two way street in learning with us, with you as well. And so a, a lot of our students have just, that have also studied with you have been thrilled with applying this in with what they've already learned. And so we, we love and receive checks, checkies, like mm-hmm. as anybody who wants to come th- through this, we are, we are really excited to teach. And so our coaching certification, we have a level one and a level two, the enrollment for that will open up in the spring around the March timeframe. Um, we talked about our self guided course, which is the Enlifted Coaches Essentials, which if you're going to take the coaching certification, you're going to get access to that foundational course included in what we offer. And the best thing to do until the enrollment opens, we will offer a discount for the Czech students is to go to enlifted.me, which is our website. And uh, there's an option for a free download there to learn a little bit more about what we do. And there's also an opportunity to apply for the coaching certifications. And when you apply, put in that you um, heard about us on Living in 4D and that you heard about us through Paul Check, and then we'll graciously share our uh, 10% off discount oh, with great. them. Fantastic. So yeah. so it's a it's not an evergreen program. It's runs in it's, a cycles. Yes, it's taught live by Mark in groups of 10. Oh, it's so, taught live. Oh, that's yeah. very good. It's uh we we I mean Mark can speak to this even more than I can, but we really take the uh the quality of instruction and the personal coaching aspect of this very seriously. Mm. Um, Mark personally coaches and certifies every coach that comes through our certifications. And part of that, you know, we, we mentioned this earlier is about, you have to do this work yourself before you can teach it to anyone. And so you're going to be the student and Mark is going to be teaching and coaching and doing this work with you on your own stories and your own perceptions. And then as he's teaching you how to facilitate it with other people. So there is a really high touch um, component to this program that you're not going to get in our self-paced course that the in lifted coaches essentials, if you want to start there and get a taste for what we do, um, we, we really, you know, I'm happy to share that with you guys. And if you've loving what we're talking about, skip to like, just go to the certification. Cause you're going to get that foundational course. You're going to get the high touch personal coaching and you're going to set yourself up for success with that. And so the, um, yeah, every, everyone who's come through and used this through, through, um, whether they came through you or not, like we've had um, really, really, really great time getting to learn our students and and mentoring them. Truly, we build a community and a network that is is about uh, sharpening your skills and keeping you keeping you engaged with the method. Because yes, the certifications are um, you know offered over a short period of time, but you're gonna con- you have to practice this and continue practicing it and continue honing your skill. So we do continuing education workshops. We have an online community. We host one in person event a year which we just had a few weeks ago and really like we 
want our students to get immersed in the method and learn with us as much as they can and be as supportive as we can for them in that process. And a lot of that stems from from Mark and his love for the work and how the depth of which he studied it and honed it and refined it is the, um, you know, teaching in groups of 10 is relatively unheard of in this space at this yeah. time anymore. Yeah, because um, everybody wants to make tons of money without caring about the quality. We're, we're in the badass yeah. coach making business. Yeah. And it's... Okay, fine. We got to call it something coaching. It's way more than that, everybody. This, this helping people transform their stories. It is it is an art, it is a craft, it is a practice. We appreciate it. We approach it as such. 10 people max per cert over 9 weeks. All of the classes are live taught by me. You're in the dojo. You're getting a tremendous amount of of quality personal time. We have an assistant, so everybody gets as much emotional support as they need. You graduate with three very important things, a platinum level mindset shifting coaching skill set, the identity, that because it's equal parts personal and professional development, you're going through it. A, a An identity, you come out lighter and brighter on the other side that supports you taking these tools into the arena, putting yourself out there, uh, charging for your services, being seen, and then a community of like-minded people that are doing the same thing and they understand why you want to do this too. And you put those three things together and you've got something unique and special. A quick question. if a, Because the trainings are live, if someone cannot has a schedule conflict, do you record them? Good question. Yes. So there were all the recordings, the, yes, we record the classes. And so we offer different days at different times. So like a Monday at three, a Tuesday at 12, and a Wednesday at six. And um, if someone needs to miss class for whatever reason, that's cool. I ask that they let me know, and then they will catch the recording as soon as it's posted. Good. Well, fantastic. We covered a lot of really (laughs) essential things and went beyond our previous podcast. And uh, what's the investment in this training? Depends on which package you choose. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we offer uh, the level one certification is $3,999. And the, that's for how long? That is the f- level one is the first nine weeks in a group of 10. Mm-hmm. And then we also offer our level two, which will bundle in with the with the level one. And th- that price is escaping me off the top of my head, but it's less than $39.99 times two because they're both. So, yeah. so the, the, um, is it one session a week? How many sessions a week is there? Nine weeks long, one two-hour class per week, same date, same time. Everybody does a two-hour coaching session with me right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Those those sessions are coaching sessions. They are also tutorials, so I teach as I coach. Mm-hmm. Those calls are recorded and posted in the closed group, so everybody watches everybody else's calls, and then everybody does a peer-to-peer coaching session at the end that's reviewed by our assistant. So it is it is absolutely a team sport. You go through the the the, the training um, with nine other classmates, and w- yeah, we uh, learn together, grow together, learn together, succeed yeah. together. Yeah, those that play together stay together. That, and so uh, that's actually when you consider the life uh, transforming power of this kind of training is really a very, very good investment because the potentially hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars people spend dealing with the problems created by not That's the real expensive thing. Using their mind and their words effectively and creating effectively and 
and learning how to navigate relationships effectively because this is really all about correct. relationships. Correct. You know? Yeah, it's like it's. I mean, most of our coaches say that the investment returned itself almost instantly. Yeah. Um, just by whether it's through offering more services to their existing clients or charging more for their services or offering workshops or offering, you know, different opportunities that they step into. We've most people that are, are really willing to do the work. You're going to make that money back in a second and you're going to 10 exit, you know, over the span of the next year, you're going to, you're going to earn the money back. A part of what we offer in, in the support and especially in our community. And also we have some partners that we work with that, uh, our friends at freedom builders, shout out to Mike. The, yeah. Mike G. Um, we do a lot of and ongoing yeah, support to help you develop your coaching business because we believe for you to be an impactful coach and to really, you know, to be a professional coach, you have to do two things. You have to make an impact. So you need to have the skill set to do it, but you also need to make money doing it. Absolutely. And so if you, if you, you know, we, we have a big tirade against the broke coach syndrome syndrome, because if you can't make money doing the thing, that's what you got. Yeah. Yeah. This is not, this is, um, if you don't want to make money coaching, this is not for you. (laughs) I mean, negations, if you want to make money coaching, this is for you. Yeah. And it's being able to apply that in your, uh, in your practice. Like, you know, it's like we, uh, for in the beginning, you know, we've been running these certifications now for a little over three, three, almost four years. And the reality is, is that we identified pretty quickly in the beginning stages was that, yeah, we had a great skill set We could teach people that they could integrate in their business. And the ones who already had like, you know, enough information about how to do that and make money were thriving. And then the ones who, you know, they were like, wow, these tools are so great, but I just like, don't even know how to get clients. I'm like, well, then we didn't really teach you as much as we could teach you. So we're starting to um, develop a lot more around how to, how to be a successful professional coach, including building your business and, and charging what you're worth and being able to retain and, and natural evolution of the, of of the offer. Yeah. Yeah, It's 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 important. We've had to do the same thing. Uh, We have had to build business training into the Mm. work. The thing is, is that the people that are good coaches and therapists are inherently poor business people. Yes. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's like the artist syndrome, you know, yeah. you got million dollar paintings over there and they can't afford to eat dinner, you know, cause they don't know how to market themselves and manage themselves from a business perspective. Well, I think it's a very complete package and it's obviously uh, an important one. I've had several people over the years since I've been doing, since I did the first podcast or however long it's been, where students of mine went through and did your program and then came back to me either by email or met them in person somewhere, be it at a conference or here at a workshop and told me how much the training really helped them and how much they love it and how um, they were grateful to find out about it on the last podcast we did. So uh, I've had plenty good feedback to know that when you guys reached out to me that it was worth going deeper into these conversations. So thank you. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, and thanks to all of you for uh, becoming. Nice. Yeah. Becoming. Yeah, and if you're, you know, if you want to learn more about the coaching certification, go to our website, enlifted.me. If you want to learn more about and enter the conversation with us more, we have a podcast called Get Lifted, which I oh, host. Good. Paul's been on. Yeah. Um, and we talk, you know, we have a lot of different resources for free because we believe that this is important We're things for people to learn. We're teachers to the core. So the, the best free resource you're going to get is going to be available on our website. Go there, put your email in, get the download. You know, you'll, that will put you on a journey to start learning with us. The next best thing you can do with us for free is our podcast, Get right. Inlifted. Um, we have, there's many episodes in the beginning 
called the Enlifted Essentials, which is different than the course. And it, it just, Mark and I having conversations and practically applying the methodology. Um, and, and people have, uh, we, we've, you know, we've also put out, we've put out so much content on that podcast that it is, uh, it is, it's worth listening to, you know, I'm biased. It's mine, but I'm proud of it. Well, and you, it's you also know, like very, it very, a lot of time and energy. Crush it, Jimmy. I, I, you know, you wouldn't be on my podcast if you weren't doing good work. <laughs> Or I would we be. said that on the way up here. It's like this is a this is a this is a win. This yeah, is an absolute absolutely. win. And to come back twice, that's um it's a first one was a win, the second one's an honor. Yeah, well great. Well, thank you to all of you for listening and in, engaging us and the teachings and the practices. Uh I don't think I need to tell you that right now the world needs all of us to wake up, clean up, grow up, and show up. And uh <laughs> it's like Mark said, we keep reverberating the same trauma, dramas, and stories, and it's time for us to climb out of that habit because the world can't take it much longer, and so it's up to us to redream and recreate ourselves and vitalize and energize ourselves so we, we are inspired to do the change. I think when people get themselves healthy, change comes very naturally. Yes. It's just when we well, so. are too devitalized that we, we kind of, the inertia overtakes us. And so I think uh, there's a lot of great things you can do for yourself. And like you said, you've put a lot of fun into it. And, uh, you know, my, my personal feeling is when you lose your sense of humor, that's when you die. <clears throat> you know, if you, if you can't laugh at it all, I mean, you got to admit, God's got the greatest sense of humor of all. And thank you to the sponsors for your amazing products and for your sustainable and regenerative practices and thank you to each of you for anything you buy from the sponsors because a little commission goes to support the podcast so I can take the time and do the work to find the right people and build outlines and do the dialogues and the prep and record them and have the podcast team do all their magic and get them out to you so that we can all make the world a better place each day for all living beings, not just human beings, for all living beings. Lots of love. Can't wait to share something exciting with you in the next episode. See you then. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guests, Mark England and Kimberly Kesting. You can find Mark and Kimberly on Instagram at Enlifted Coaches and on their website, enlifted.me. Their podcast, Get Enlifted, is available on all podcast platforms. Mark and Kimberly are offering Paul's listeners 10% off their coaching certifications by using the code CHECK10 at checkout. Go to enlifted.me and click apply now to submit your application before enrolling. Please don't wait around as the classes are limited to only 10 students and do fill up quickly. Catch up with Paul on Instagram, TikTok and threads at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs and to learn more about the Czech Academy. You can read the show notes and find links to all the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. 
This podcast would not be possible without the support of our premier sponsors by Optimizers, Organifi and Paleo Valley and our podcast sponsor, Wild Pastures. Please show your appreciation by taking advantage of their special discounts for listeners. The links are in the show notes. And finally, if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcast, and YouTube.